0: You're listening to a Rock Candy Podcast. What's missing from this picture? It's just me, without MagPod! There's just one pod.
1: Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Pods from the Penalty Box, a nostalgic sampling of skate punk albums from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pit. I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. Um, John knew... Section of the pod starting. Yes, um, we got Goaty Hook now. The long-awaited. Mm. Um, it's about gonna time. Be, it is. It is about time. We. I feel like we should have covered them earlier in the minds of some, but you know, uh, we wanted to get our boy Jason on to discuss mm. Sumo Surprise. Because it is a seminal record for for him. uh, And we will get into the details about all of that a little later. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we got some other business to attend to at the top of the show. And as you can see, John, others cannot. I'm... Not in my upstairs office uh-huh. <laughs> as per usual, because it has been in the 90s for yeah. the past week and a half. I feel like in Minnesota, mm. it has been in like 95, averaging pretty much every day. Yeah. And it's not what you want, it is not what you want. I don't have. Central air in my house. I have window units, and even if I had a window unit in my office, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have crank up an AC while I'm trying to record. No, that
2: would it's terrible compromise it's... the integrity of our endeavor.
1: <laughs> it reminds me of when we first started doing mm-hmm. the pod, almost three years ago mm-hmm. to the date. Almost there, John. Um, and we started doing it at my place and in, you know, in the, in the summer and I had window units in that apartment. And so we're like, all right, let's get ready to record. And we turned it off and then we both immediately start sweating. Got, got spicy in there. <laughs> it got a little rough, but this was also very early on when we weren't recording for like four hours at a time.
2: Right. True. True. Um, we are now and it's making me so parched. Yes. I gotta crack a cold one here.
1: Yeah. Well, you got another weird beer? What you got? That's a, got a weird beer. It's kind of a, a purpley can. It it's,
2: is. This is a noon whistle brewing out here in the Chicago Burbs Ooh. jam stand. Uh, it's a blackberry raspberry sour.
1: That sounds uh, delicious. And I find and it noon whistle is very good. legit. Yeah. I really like noon whistle. Yep. Um, I have two beverages. Ooh. Atop my bourbon barrel uh, <laughs> <Nice>. side table, oh <laughs> yeah! I have it's it's whiskey, but it is not bourbon. Mm. It is a Japanese whiskey. Ooh. It is, uh, Mikakuna, hundred percent mm. Japanese blended whiskey. Uh, blended from whiskey aged minimum of three years, Mikakuna offers aromas of woody oak and tropical fruits a sweet honey and vanilla taste leads to a bold finish long and spicy um just like our john- pod. <laughs> just like our pod uh we've always said that john you and i both like to finish long and spicy <laughs> that's
2: right um uh yeah so makakuna this is perhaps pairs well with morinaga uh maker of high chews, the japanese candy that uh <laughs> patreon punk caleb sent us uh, both which we will get into next time on our 100th episode but
1: i uh, think we need to we need we will get into it we will be tasting those for our 100th episode we feel like it's a it was sent as a sort of a celebratory thing for our 100th episode mm. and i i want to make it clear that this is not like like a small like three or four ounce <laughs> bag of candy no, it's like a full like two pounds or three yeah. pounds. It's how many, how big is it? I, well, many... I'm
2: looking at it right now. One pound, 14 ounces. Oh, so it's, almost, know...
1: it's almost a full two pounds. It's a big bag.
2: Yeah. There's like, I don't know, hundreds of these little I <laughs> in there. So yeah. Anyway, there's a lot. We'll get into that.
1: Yeah. Um, but, well, um, that in, addition, in addition to my Japanese whiskey, um, I have a very sweaty can of beer. Um, it is a mm. Sierra Nevada fantastic haze imperial ipa Mm. um beer and whiskey are such a good such a good combo together i like i I like chasing i like chasing my whiskey with a little beer every once in a while so yeah man down the hatch especially when you got these the tropical aromas Mm -hmm. of the japanese whiskey got the tropical flavor of a hazy beer it's all it's all wonderful
2: Damn, it sounds I don't know. Like you have an advanced palate over there.
1: Well, I'm I'm trying to drink cool beverages and like yeah. I've been wearing nothing but tanks for like a week and a half because it has been so oppressively hot. You're showing off that ink. <laughs> showing off that ink. Which, and uh, I'm trying speaking to, of which <laughs> speaking of which, I'm trying to get some more, uh, potentially. Yeah. We, as of recording this, uh, if we put out a tweet today, um, that if one of our, uh, that if one of the, t- the tweet gets 200 retweets, that I will get some Nickelodeon themed ink. Uh-huh. So we are struggling with those retweets. I don't know, maybe 200 was a bit we'll aggressive. See we'll see yeah. what happens. Maybe maybe it'll maybe America it'll, wants
2: to see you with the splat somewhere on your body. That's Perhaps.
1: That's that is true. I either the splat I was thinking about the the Nickelodeon blimp, which is another iconic image, mm-hmm. the the you know the, the kids choice awards. Yeah. Um got that you got that When did was it So there's multiple award shows went they, because they also did like um uh surfboards too or was that was that another kid's, that's like the
2: teen choice i think the teen choice, choice awards, teen yeah. choice awards.
1: Yeah. the kids choice awards for nick had the blimp the orange blimp right. statue
2: and then they'd get slimed if they won maybe sometimes
1: um i don't remember i don't i'm sure there was probably some slime but yeah the that that blimp logo, uh, the splat logo, there's all there's all kinds, and I think orange would uh, would definitely pop. It'd be um, cool. You know, there's also the obvious, you know, petunia tattoo. Mm, that, would, that would be a move. That would be a move. Uh, cool move.
2: Somebody's out. Somebody out there must have that. Oh, Oh,
1: one hundred percent.
2: Yeah. How make many? A dance.
1: How many Danny Tamborelli stories does he have of like dudes coming up to him and being like, oh, bro, I got this tattoo. And because I remember that in that documentary, people would be like, "Yo, was that like a real tattoo? And he's like, no, I was seven. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's generally frowned upon.
1: <laughs> did, you, did you get like a, a lady in a red dress tattooed on you? No, I was I was a child. You <laughs> you morons. I do, um,
2: do love the mythology of, of little Pete having gotten it, though. I mean, it, it's, it's perfect for him.
1: It's the best, you know, and I think we should transition from that. All that to say, uh, if you want to see me get a Nick tattoo, go and retweet that <laughs> yes. and we'll see what see what happens. But we had a sort of a sweet 16 of sorts
3: mm-hmm. of
1: Nick shows. John, you were doing all these uh, these head to heads mm-hmm. last week. We need to we need to talk about some of the some of the results, because I mean, the ultimate result uh, we can get to. But um, I don't know, maybe some uh, maybe some Cinderella story situations going on here, because Mm -hmm. I would not have guessed that the winner would be what it was.
2: Yeah, Uh, we also got. Several comments along the way of people uh, suggesting that this reflects our age, uh, which you know I make no bones about that. We were going with pretty much early '90s on these. Uh, these are the ones we grew up with. I, I understand. I threw Hey Arnold in there. That was after my time, but I included him. But you know, there was no SpongeBob. There's none of the
1: '2000s stuff. But um, we're talking. We're talking about the '90s alternative scene. Of course, right. we're going to be talking about '90s, early '90s, late '80s, early '90s TV. I mean, that's that was our. That right. was our heyday.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I expect, I, I kind of expected Double Dare to take the whole thing. So it's a little surprised that they, doesn't Double Dare kind of seem like the most representative, iconic Nickelodeon?
1: I would say either that or you can't do that on television. Yeah. Because uh, when, when people think about Nickelodeon, they think Slime. Right. And those two shows embody that.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people don't remember you can't do that on television. Like it was, that was the one where I saw a few people being like, uh, "This suggests that you <laughs> were watching from the beginning of Nickelodeon, which you know wasn't quite that early, but that, well, that was like the '70s when that show started." So
1: it it, but it it reruns existed and it came yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. You know, right? not everybody was. Uh, I I watched a lot of reruns on nickelodeon i'm not sure it's it's hard to know like back in the day how many of my aside from snick how many of the shows that i was watching i was watching on reruns or during their right right. their original runs
2: yeah i was definitely watching that show in the 80s which maybe it was still it's probably still going with new ones by then but anyway that yes not uh didn't fare particularly well um but yeah, let's see. I mean, Clarissa made it very far. Yeah. Um, Red and Stimpy and Rocco a real a real head to head. I would have predicted Red and Stimpy more uh, would be would have put up a bigger fight, but uh, Rocco got quite far. Uh, Pete and Pete and Salute Your Shorts, another close one. Pete and Pete ultimately prevailing. Uh, boy, my 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 beloved roundhouse got housed by all that (laughs) which advanced quite far yeah uh let's see what else double dare and legends of the hidden temple another pretty close one uh alex Mack, and you can't do that on television which reflects a poor uh seating by me i think it should have been alex Mack versus clarissa maybe i don't know um but uh that was another close one actually but you can't do that on television one uh hey arnold versus are you afraid of the dark also close but are you afraid of the dark one um doug prevailing over red and stimpy pete and pete over clarissa all that barely edging out double dare and then uh are you afraid of the dark destroying you can't do that on television and then uh final four doug pete and pete all that and are you afraid of the dark doug taking it 58 percent to are you afraid of the dark's 42 percent so
1: yeah i mean honk honk (laughs) 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 oh man i don't know (laughs) Uh I I mean I I'm, I'm a little surprised in the the Doug upset of Pete and Pete. I don't know. I I'm, I'm I'm a huge Pete and Pete stan. Uh, I, I do like I do like Doug. I think there's something about something very endearing about the innocence of Doug yeah. as a character <laughs> as an anxious kid. Uh, who falls in love easily, is worried about being outcast, being an outcast and being, un, uh, just being ridiculed and the sort of the insecurities of being a preteen boy at, mm-hmm. in a new town and feeling a little, uh, you know, a little kind of not, uh seen necessarily by his his family he's very different than his sister his parents are a little a little aloof uh so there's something endearing about him as a character because he's just he's also like just a good person and a good kid and he's like doing his best so i can i i see the appeal of to that versus pete and pete which is just a particular kind of comedy and writing and absurdity that's right. maybe not as mainstream.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think a, a little more niche and a little more up our alleys, but uh, maybe <laughs> not for the rest of Magpod Nation. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't have predicted Doug the ultimate victor over it all, but he is a pretty iconic Nickelodeon franchise, and I feel like he's one yeah. of those that kind of all all demographics, all quadrants can, can get behind, even if it's not like your first number one, obvious, like, Oh, of course, Doug. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, you, you were, he was, he was writing about his feelings and he was making art and music yeah. and, uh, you know, yeah, he's a kindred spirit there.
1: Yeah. He's, he's definitely an Enneagram four. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what he did with his journal, I mimicked that as a kid, <laughs> Where like Dear journal, hey, it's me, Doug. Like I would like <laughs> talk to my journal like that because I thought Hello. that's what you were supposed to do. I right. didn't. You didn't. I didn't have any models for journaling other than Doug, and and he's a kid that is artistic and sensitive and writes about his feelings so i'm like all right that makes sense to me <laughs> sounds right you that. weren't
2: a, you weren't a doogie hauser head
1: no no i was not yeah famously
2: head. ended his his episodes i didn't have a computer i wasn't right he was typing on that blue <laughs> that blue ibm screen wrapping it all up with a nice little entry into his journal
1: yeah um, uh pre pre-carry from sex in right. the city
2: <laughs> couldn't help but wonder why won't patty mayonnaise go out with me i don't know um, there, if
1: yeah if there would be if it were doug mashed doug mashed up with sex in the city there would have to be <laughs> oh man lots of sexy puns like you know <laughs> patty something mayonnaise, about, you can do something there something about them making a sandwich together right. or yeah yeah you know. isn't
2: mr dink that's just an obvious uh opening there <laughs> <laughs> that's good there's something about Double bone off. isn't there <laughs> wow that's surprisingly good you just had mr dink in your back pocket ready to go um <laughs> He's
1: such an annoying character so <laughs> very <and> like, expensive <laughs> his uh and his and his wife is just like she's she's just like so over everything yeah. all the time isn't she the mayor no I'm like n- Oh, no. no, there
2: is a mirror character, but she's some sort of, like, big shot, isn't she? I, I forget don't... what her role is exactly, but I feel I think like she's, she's
1: sometimes... just. I think she's just, like, the wet blanket to to Mr. Dink's enthusiasm. Yes. And she's like, all right, dear, let's... Yeah. <laughs> so every Everything she was saying was pretty much a veiled. All right, dear, shut the fuck up.
2: Right. Very <laughs> leave, true.
1: Leave this child alone.
2: Tippy Tippy Dink. I'm on her Doug Wiki page right now.
1: Of course, naturally.
2: um I'm trying to think of. Oh, okay. Here we go. She later becomes mayor of Bluffington when Ooh. Mayor White neglects an upcoming mayoral mayoral election to focus on his son Willie White's campaign for Bluffington Elementary treasurer. So there we go.
1: There it is. There it is. I she, forgot she about be- that.
2: Became mayor. That was a classic arc that America tuned in for. I
1: think that was a. I think that was an Aaron Sorkin episode. There. Yeah, lots right. of wa- lots of walk and talks on that right, episode. Yeah.
2: Doug makes an impassioned plea for like <laughs> some local school board policy. Or something.
1: Yeah. He he's able to pull out all of these statistics out of thin air yeah. that nobody in real life would ever be able to do.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: I believe it was Abraham Lincoln who said, <laughs> Hey, that was pretty good.
2: Hey, thanks. B- Billy West. <laughs> Is that you over he there? Here? <laughs> oh man.
1: When, um, you, when you listen to Doug, you can hear. The, you can hear a little bit of fry it's like Absolutely. doug doug is the is the adolescent fry
2: right i feel like you can always kind of tell his voice but he's also great at doing a lot of different kinds of voices yeah um which is kind of a cool combo um thanks to everyone for voting yes um doug get him on the pod <laughs> uh get the beats on the pod killer tofu etc um uh, <laughs> What else we got going on?
1: Um we've got some voicemails. Ooh, Should we listen like to some that. of those?
2: Yes. All right.
1: It. Well, we uh we have voicemail line hmm. 872-762-4763-8727 mag pod. So, or you can be like our boy uh Danny Stairs. And if you want to leave us a voice memo, some people have been doing that lately, leaving the voice memos, mm-hmm. um, because for whatever reason, they opted to uh, want to leave a little bit longer than a three minute limit that's sure. allowed on you can Google. email
2: those uh, you can to
1: those. You can do just that. All right, here's our boy, Danny Stairs.
4: Hey, what's up guys, your boy Danny Stairs here calling Uh, response to uh, Quiz Daddy John's work. Uh, You're doing a great job so far, but I do need to, as your attorney, uh, give some advice. Andrew did not get that question correct. He gave the SNCC lineup in the wrong order. You should not have given that to him. There are no points, no half points for that. I'm going to deduct a point just because it's Andrew. Uh, But he gave it in the wrong order. He's out. Just having the correct four shows was not the question. So as your attorney, I am going to have to advise that you publicly censure him on the next episode. Uh, perhaps um, additional punishment would be appropriate. We can discuss that off-air. Uh, but I mm-hmm. do appreciate, John, that you threw this together. I'm a- enjoying this, even though Andrew is doing well on it. Uh, that's why I'm recommending at least one additional point be taken away. Uh, keep up the great work. loo, motherfuckers. Mac top for life
2: oh man all right thank you so, council all
1: right look i i i if i remember correctly uh uh-huh. uh i said clarissa roundhouse mm-hmm. ren and stimpy are you yes. afraid of the dark
2: right correct correct but when it originally started at least it was clarissa uh ren and stimpy roundhouse are you afraid of the dark
1: Uh, I'm on I'm on the Nickelodeon SNCC uh, Wikipedia Mm. 1992 to 1994
2: you fact checking Uh, me live right
1: now it says it says Clarissa okay I was so I was right yes and it also has and then it goes roundhouse at Mm. 830 Mm. Ren and Stimpy at 9 and then are you afraid of the dark at 930.
2: Well, um, it's not possible that I got it wrong, so I don't know what to tell you. Um, No, I'm sure sure I screwed it up, but I think, you know, it's already on the record. Danny's legal advice stands. Normally I say, what?
1: I mean, are you seeing, are you seeing this one I'm seeing?
2: Uh, Yes, I am. You got Clarissa Ranha. Yeah. Well, hold on here. 1992 to
1: 19. Okay.
2: Okay. I, I i admit defeat i was wrong um normally i say legalistic people suck legalism makes me sick but uh, i think you're right you found the truth here and i'm uh i'm out of luck as the quiz daddy so i gave that point to you anyway
1: yeah you you said i whatever for whatever the case it was the correct four shows but I guess I just maybe want, I my just research
2: want... was faulty. I don't know. I don't know what happened. This is why I'm never doing a quiz again.
1: <laughs> Come on. Just kidding. Come on. Anyway. So uh, I don't know what to tell you, Danny. Um, maybe yep. suck it.
2: I, I guess I I guess I fucked up. <laughs> um yeah, fine. I'll take your your socket.
1: Um no, that was for that was for Danny. All right. <laughs> um, not you. <laughs> We got Jason from LA.
5: Yeah, what's up, guys? Jason from LA. Um, happy first off, happy to finally join the Patreon. I've uh, been busy; so I've been on a couple of weeks just because two jobs, two daughters, uh, co-hosting a podcast keeps me busy. Yeah, baby. but uh, you guys were talking about the movies, uh, songs that come in movies. I think one of my favorites was uh, the first Matrix movie, the only good one because it just went. The shit after that. But at the end of the movie, when uh, he hangs up the phone and they play the Rage Miss the Machine wake up song, I remember seeing that thinking, oh, holy shit, this is going to be an amazing trilogy. Oh, yeah. It was not. That was <laughs> a good movie. And uh, also, movie soundtracks. You can't talk about great movie soundtracks without mentioning The Crow. That is one of the greatest yeah. soundtracks of all time. It's amazing songs on there uh but yeah it's a great one and also you guys are talking about value pack and about the school of rock dude i was thinking hmm. the exact same thing when i finally got to hear the album i was like "This just sounds like the dude from school of rock from the other band so uh mad Clock's alive, keep it up see you thanks buddy yeah.
1: um uh i i was wondering if he was gonna say um uh rob zombie wasn't because wasn't wasn't there uh I feel like there was a Rob Zombie song playing in the first.
2: Yes. It's when uh, Neo goes to the club. They goes to the club. The club Rabbit.
1: Meets, meets Trinity.
2: Um, Rob Zombie also on, uh, the crow, uh, city of angels soundtrack, I believe. Um, yes, fully agree. When wake up by rage comes in at the end of the matrix, you feel like ripping the movie theater seat out of its <laughs> concrete base and throwing it at the screen in celebration. Um,
1: Almost, almost like uh, John at a show when he gets really excited and he tears mm-hmm. his arms off and throws them on stage.
2: Maybe about a, a particular song we'll hear on this episode. We'll see. Oh shit! Um, but yes, yeah, an all-time great moment. You know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a defender of the Matrix sequels. Um, there's some interesting ideas, but yeah, they probably should have just left it with the first one. Having said that, as we've established on the pod, I'm excited for Matrix Four. You are not. I understand the hesitance, but. I'm, I'm giving them I'm the benefit not, of
1: the doubt. It's not that I'm not going to see it. I'm totally right. gonna see it. Yeah. I'm you're tempering just, your
2: expectations.
1: Yeah. There's no Hugo weaving, which right. sucks. Yeah. And he he seems to be like one of those guys that's like I'm done with this part of my life. Right. So whether it's the Matrix or Lord of the Rings or whatever, I feel like he's kind of one of those guys that's like, I did. I did the matrix. I did Lord of the Rings. I'm done. Those characters are done. But like, when you think of, when you think of the matrix, you think of Mr. Anderson. Right. And you think of agent Smith, you think of, so I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, we'll see. But
2: yes, there's no arguing that that needle drop is an incredible ending. Uh, also fully agree with the crow soundtrack being hugely important. You know, you were, you were journaling Doug style. (laughs) I was, uh, I was lighting candles and playing the cure song from the crow in my room. And like, I don't know, writhing around in the darkness or whatever. Um, crow was huge for me. I had, I had a giant crow poster on my wall. Uh, even the crow crappy sequel I mentioned had a pretty great soundtrack. Um, but yeah, that first that first Crow album is great. Um, thoughts on the Crow? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, just blind spot. R- R.I.P. Brandon Lee. Yeah I, yeah, I, I, it was not. It, you, you were more here for the the creepy stuff, yes. a, As a kid, than I was. I was like, I was creepy selective in that, yeah. like, I. I would I would watch some Are You Afraid of the Dark? I would watch or I'd read some uh you know the you know goosebumps or stuff that I feel like was more aimed at my age than than <laughs> sure. something than something like the crow and you know, so that that I I was I was such a sensitive kid. Yeah, man. I remember well, the
2: crow, I, sensitive as hell
1: well sure maybe <laughs> i would have i would have seen it and i would have started wearing like the yeah. and yeah man know.
2: listen to the soundtrack to listen to this lineup you got the you- cure you got rage you got um nine inch nails violent femmes helmet jesus and mary chain rollins band stone Temple pilots pantera i don't know my life with thrill kill called pretty good
1: damn Sounds pretty, anyway. It sounds that sounds 90s as fuck.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. That's the crow, baby.
1: Um, so I, I don't know if you saw this floating around on Facebook or anything, some a little while ago, or how often it floats around, but it was one of those questions about what movie traumatized you <laughs> the most as uh, a kid. And I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod, but for me this will give uh, give you a sense of like how sensitive and emo as fuck i was as a kid uh, uh that the movie that fucked me up the most when i was younger was <laughs> dead poet society
2: oh wow just cuz it was like too heavy
1: it was it it was the ending was devastating to me yeah yeah that makes sense devastating to me <laughs> just like yeah. A kid wanting nothing to do, but like, not wanting nothing more than to like express himself through theater, and feeling no love or acceptance from his dad. Yeah, and like that, he felt like no way out. And I was just like, and that scene, the slow motion run, you know, yep. to like, I'm like, oh my god, it was just so brutal. It's heavy, it's heavy. so heavy, and so like, yeah, it, I was not prepared for it. Cause right. I was like, Oh, this is a Rob Williams movie. And then I was like, oops. So, okay.
2: uh, much in the same way that I was not prepared for link the movie about a chimpanzee serial killer, um, <laughs> which I regrettably saw when I was maybe like four or five. What? Um, my cousin rented it and it was like the first R rated movie I saw and it, yeah, it's about a monkey that kills people, an ape that kills people. Um, And uh, it me
1: up. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I'm trying to find this way. It sounds terrifying. Uh, You probably would. As a four-year-old, I imagine anytime you go to the zoo, you'd be like, get these fucking monkeys away from me. It's got a knife behind his back. I know (laughs) it. If you
2: Google it. I don't
1: trust those macaques.
2: (laughs) Never trust the macaques. Uh, Link 1986. If you Google that, I feel like people will recognize the cover. It's like uh, the chimp is like, lighting a match and it's like his face is scarily lit. Um, so why that is that?
1: Is, so why is this chimpanzee murdering people? Uh,
2: I believe he was like experimented on.
1: Oh, it's got Elizabeth shoe in it.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. He's an orangutan. He's a chimpanzee played by an orangutan. Uh, he lashes out against his masters when they try to have him euthanized, which, you know, team link, I guess. Um, Anyway, uh, not not great for children to see a chimp murdering people. <laughs> um, no. Anyway, the two pillars of, of childhood entertainment, though, Dead Poet Society and Link, I would say, important films.
1: Important films for all young, impressionable children to see. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on from trauma, uh, we got some Danny Leary.
6: Hello, this is Danny Leary calling, and I completely agree with John, John Potter of Magnify Pod. I completely agree with him on the, you know, cutoff for all that and how Roundhouse ruled. Uh, when I think about Nickel, I watched I, I finished about half of that documentary, but uh, I feel like with the whole not talking down to kids, like to me, all that was the first show that really felt, I never thought of it in that context. But all that felt like the first show that actually kind of, like, talked down to kids. Like, it had a certain uh, lack of irreverence that, like, a Roundhouse and a Welcome Freshman and a Wienerville had. Like, you know, Nickelodeon had sketch shows. And then they had this, like, more sanitized, more kid-friendly, more kids' glove show that is how I perceived all that. And I was definitely into Star Night Live by the time I was like 14 or something when all that came out. And I was watching Comedy Central. I was watching Kids in the Hall and everything. But yeah, all that was, it, 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 it stunk. All that was not funny. I think I had one laugh and I watched it. I watched every episode, even though I don't know. I maybe was too old for it, but I think I had, I remember one laugh from that show and it was when. Amanda Bynes and all the characters are playing themselves like on set and Amanda Bynes comes in and she's like, sorry, I'm late. My makeup artist fell off the roof. And that's the only (laughs) joke I remember from all that. Even when Chris Farley came on as a guest star, like I felt like he had been brought down to the level of kid glove comedy that all that represented to me. Uh, other than that, you know, Nickelodeon was amazing. Uh, But no, not all that. I haven't all that. I even have an all that t shirt that I love. I love the iconography, but I just didn't actually like the show. Magpod for life. All that, not for life.
1: (laughs) Uh, If you're going to say Magpod for life, you have to end on Magpod for life. Don't disparage (laughs) all that.
2: I don't know. All that, not all that, says Leary. That'll be the headline coming out of this episode.
1: For real you know I that episode that Chris Farley did was pure chaos
2: I have no memory of this
1: yeah he well he came on uh, an episode of cooking with Randy which was Keenan which ah. to me is like a a future SNL star mm-hmm. uh, with a current, snl star just like there's something about that that i find poetic and beautiful and <laughs> and you know cooking with randy was his whole thing was like him he, everything was chocolate every it, like right, all that right. was chocolate and so everything was always a mess and and chris farley came on and his energy was just also through the roof so uh everything was like just a good time it is a great time so uh yeah, I'm sure you can find that that clip of them together. Yeah. So sure, there's was it uh I mean, yeah, it was it was aimed at aimed at kids, but there were still there were still lots of absurdities on on yeah. all that. So it's not like it was everything was um it's it still felt like the kids were in control because one of the like one of the producer characters was you felt like the kids were in charge of everything that was happening on all that when you were watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they that the even the producer character was always getting himself like, you know, screwed around with or something was happening to him. He was getting hurt or whatever. So yeah. there's there's still that element that the kids were in charge and like sure. the, the like the parents were not in the room.
2: Right. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, when I think about all that I mainly think about Keenan and I think about how long it took me to like imagine him as not a sort of child star on SNL partly cuz like he always has looked so young and now like the, he
1: still does he still looks That's young,
2: it. but dude is in his forties. And yeah. like, but he, you know, he's now the longest serving SNL cast member ever. Yeah. Which is wild. Cause I feel like for years I was just like, I mean, this is the, like all that and mighty ducks guy. Like he's on SNL. How can I take this seriously? <laughs>
1: he's but so good though.
2: He's so good. And he's been on for so long that now he's just like a staple, but yes. it is funny that he's kind of been doing this forever. Um,
1: yeah he's pretty much been doing SNL longer than not, not only anybody, but like more than he's done anything else pretty much. Right. And uh, there's just his, his, all of his characters are just outstanding. I love, I love what's up with that might be one of my favorite recurring.
2: It's pretty hard to, it's pretty hard to, I mean, uh, and, and Kel, as we discussed, uh, now a youth pastor. So youth pastor,
1: yeah. Get, get him, him on, on the pod. pod.
2: Um, also, got a little flack on on the Discord mm. for not knowing that Crystal Lewis, the Roundhouse alum who became a CCM artist, uh, we didn't know that she uh, did guest vocals on a Supertones track. Was that what we were hearing? Um, I believe that I, was the case.
1: <laughs> I mean, I yeah i guess so i uh, that was something that meg was trying to be like this is something uh, like i had no idea yeah apparently I Crystal chrysalis
2: never... more memorable for some folks than she didn't really <laughs> register for us but that's fine
1: yeah if you're if you listen to worship music then chances are you sure.
2: or the supertones yeah.
1: <laughs> uh does it hold up not as much mm-hmm. so um this is, this is funny. So John, did you, do you know? um, So this guy, a guy that uh, uh, Jesse on Instagram, he, he made the comment on, uh, he, he said that he remembers after church once listening to let it happen in his car. And one of the ladies from church tapped on his window and gave him A cassette tape called nitro praise which was edm versions of of edm versions of ccm songs i threw it away i did see this and i meant
2: to google nitro praise but i don't know about this
1: it is aggressively (laughs) aggressively bad
2: sounds like some patreon content just what i'm saying nitro praise awesome god Guest vocalist Pat Boone, which I'm just looking like it's, like, Our God ns, ns,
1: ns, is an awesome. God. Just imagine the most standard sounding, uh, like '90s EDM beat uh, or club beat, and it's just and it's just so bad. It's so bad. I I mean, I that was just not the shit I listened to at all. Right, but. but I just feel like it would be one of those things where you you would put it on and like your non-Christian friends would be in the car and then everybody'd be talking. And then like they would all start realizing, like, wait a second, this is why
2: do they keep singing about the Holy Spirit?
1: Why do they keep singing about the Lord? Um, but anyway, yeah, we'll throw we'll throw down on some of that on the Patreon a little later.
2: Nitro praise.
1: <laughs> um, we got we got a another voicemail.
2: Hey, this
7: is Rudiger. Um, I was just calling. It was uh, kind of oh. within the
2: okay. The, Pause the it real quick. Recently, and this is my buddy Eric, aka lead vocalist of Tiger Jack, uh, calling in with a little. He's he's having a laugh. That's uh, is a is a Simpsons reference. So anyway, this is Eric. Continue, Rudiger. Okay. okay. <laughs> and um.
7: Was thinking about if, if you guys had thought about uh, talking at all about any albums that you may have listened to that were still kind of like skate punk, ska punk, um, that weren't necessarily Christian though, or Christian in nature, and you know, just something that maybe either had an effect on you, or, um, thinking especially also if you had any albums maybe that you listened to, but at the time, you know, as, As teens, when a lot of times people think about things in black and white, you know, Mm -hmm. if you maybe had second thoughts about it or felt misgivings about listening to uh, bands that may have been at times either agnostic or even as far Mm -hmm. as like anti-Christian, I'm thinking of this one album I listened to, uh, this animal chant, it's called Animal Chin with the Band. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had this, you know, they had some pretty cool lyrics in it. And one of them was about how, like, you know, if you, uh, your hate for queers is the same as racist fears. And, you know, for ninth grade little Rudiger, that was, uh, was a really <laughs> powerful statement. And, like, we think a really great time for me to hear, like, that kind of thing. Um, but in the same song, they talked about how um, something about your faith in God is the problem, is the real problem. And I was like, oh, no. And so I really struggled with that as a kid. So I'd be curious to hear if you guys had similar albums or bands where you listened to them but still kind of struggled with them at your faith at the time. All right. Um, this is uh, Rüdiger, my pod for life.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Rüdiger. Um, yeah, this is something that we talked a lot about growing up, me and Rüdiger. Yeah. Um <laughs> And I think I even mentioned that we co and I uh, co-wrote uh, an op-ed for a school newspaper in high school about why it was uh, not only okay, but like good for Christians to listen to music that was like explicit, um, not, not sort of shutting our eyes to um, stuff. And then there was a counterpoint that was like, naughty words are bad. Um, I'm sure it was a more developed argument than that. So I'm sorry to that person who wrote that article. Um, but yeah, you know, I, something that we have talked about on the pod is that like as a kid for a long time, especially as this kid for whom fitting into a certain kind of scene was really important. Like I did really take unnecessarily seriously. Some of these like musicians and artists I looked up to when I was at an impressionable younger teenage age like dillinger four is a band that i cite a lot they were huge in the twin cities when i were growing up one of my favorite bands and particularly the bassist patty who is very outspoken often <laughs> disparages god and the church and christianity on stage and they even have an album called dillinger four versus god and they definitely touch on negative aspects of, of religion and it mm-hmm. would really i would i would sort of like chafe at that because this was somebody for whom like the punk ethos shaped a lot of my thinking and understanding and I was like well I take my cues from guys like him and if they say something on stage about like politics or whatever I'm like well that's what's right that's what's punk and so when he would say stuff about faith or about God it would really I would wrestle with it as a kid and I you know now it's funny that I say like I look back and I'm like why did I care what this one (laughs) You know, right, bassist said in some club in Minneapolis about God, but it is true that, like, especially for kids, you really take your cues from folks and you're trying to figure out, well, what's is this okay with this and how do I feel about that? And you know, one thing that we talked a lot about with Five Iron is like they made me feel more at home because it was like you know, they always said oh. too, too kind of punk for the Christian scene, too Christian for the punk scene. It was like one of the few sort of realms where I always felt kind of on board with everything, but. Anyway, what do you think?
1: Well, yes, uh, I definitely went through that phase, not unlike a lot of Christian kids who felt convicted at at some point to get rid of all their secular CDs. um, And one of them being a band that I have permanently tattooed on my body, Operation Ivy. Yeah. (laughs) I uh, got rid of my energy cd when i was felt convicted and you know my probably my sophomore year of high school um is there something
2: particularly disparaging about religion that they say i do not
1: it's see that's the thing is like i think it was just because it was secular you know they swore but they also have the song missionary which is not like overtly anti-christian it's like Mm. more about imperialism in, in the church um and just sort of going around the world and conquering and and sticking their right. flags in in places and just um i mean but that's kind of also what a lot of early missionaries were doing trying to go and convert those heathen right. tribes and everything yep um but i mean even still that's kind of what missionaries in a lot of modern churches are doing anyway too it's but like it's let's, still doing it Yep. still let's make sure that everybody believes things we believe um but i just think it was anything that wasn't overtly christian even though those bands were challenging a lot of you know i was listening to a lot of those fat rack epitaph epitaph bands and uh rancid and and bad religion and 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 I think I was just trying to do what I think was right. And yeah. that was dumb. <laughs> very, <laughs> very dumb.
2: It's tough when you're a kid, man, and you're trying to figure out who's who's telling the truth and, yeah. and who you should take your cues from. It's a, it's a confusing time.
1: Yeah. It's funny because uh, I... When high, in high school, I was selling some of my secular CDs, and the way we'll get into this a little later, but mm-hmm. there is a way uh, something similar happened, and that's how I discovered Hook. So mm-hmm. we will uh, have to figure we'll have to figure it out later. We'll we'll talk about it, but um, yeah, I think that there were. I think if I was less, we've talked about this a lot about listening to teenage politics and Mm -hmm. Mike saying legalistic people suck. Legalism makes me sick. And how I was like, Oh, fucking this rules. (laughs) Except I wasn't saying, I wasn't saying fucking this rule. At the same time that that was like my favorite album. And I was so, I was so into it. I was still practicing a very legalistic way of listening to Music and by faith, because I was like, there are certain good bands to listen to. There are bad bands. The good bands are the Christian bands. The bad bands are the not Christian bands. And and I was really pushing up against that because, and I really bought into like the in the world, um, but not of the world right. way of thinking. That was a very prominent uh, line in evangelical world and so mm-hmm. trying to be a witness to my friends by my actions and not just my words
2: sure understandable um yeah this this is the kind of territory we've explored in the past but i appreciate the question rediger um i was i good to think about it in in some different contexts yeah uh what, who else we got
1: uh, we got our uh, our boy Davis, who is uh, one of our newer Patreon hey. punks.
8: Hey, Magnified Pod, this is Davis. Um, just subscribed to the Patreon. Um, yeah, I'm you did. A yeah. Fairly new listener. I've uh, been kind of just delving in from the growing up punk, and then I found you guys, which is awesome. Um, yes. I really appreciate you guys so far from what I've heard still kind of digging into the archives. And, um, I really, really loved your latest episode on Nickelodeon. Um, before I was really big into music, I was obsessively into Nickelodeon, um, which was a little weird for me, I guess, because I was actually, um, I was actually born in the year 2000. So a lot of the, a lot of these shows, I know a lot of these shows, but a lot of them was just kind of through reruns and kind mm-hmm. of just the internet at the time when I was 11 and 12. Um, interestingly enough, you guys bring up Kablam. Um, one yes. thing that I should note is they actually had a lot of great music too. They actually utilized uh, Ska Legends, the toasters, for their theme, and they also had They Might Be Giants in one of their Ugh. episodes. Um but it also kind of just brought back some memories too, uh, especially with just Polaris from Pete Hmm. and And that's such a great underrated band. I feel, um, but yeah, I hope you guys take care and I am really excited for the goatee hook episodes whenever you guys get to those. So yeah, Hmm. um, signing out. Hope you guys have a good one.
1: Thanks Davis. Thanks man. Yeah. I, uh, I was really excited uh, when Davis uh, became a, a Patreon punk because, you know, we we have he's now like uh, the the second Patreon punk that is. Uh, we have two kind of relatively younger Patreon punks, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm I love that because yeah, so many of our listeners are in their uh, mid 30s to, you know, early 40s. And um, so I just, I just love that we have some other, some other folks who are uh, connecting with what we're talking about and the music that we're talking about. And um, so, the, you know, he was talking about the music of toasters, and they might be giants, uh, for Kablam which is not the only They Might Be Giants reference in Nickelodeon canon. The very first episode of Clarissa Explains It All, Yeah, she talks about how her favorite band is They Might Be Giants. That's right. And uh, Melissa Joan Hart talks about this in that Nickelodeon documentary because they were trying to say like, okay, so what do you, they asked her most um, Joan Hart, the actress about, um, as they were trying to create this character, if she liked, um, new kids on the block and she's like, <laughs> ugh no, and she wasn't. And she's like thinking that she maybe blew it or whatever. Uh-huh. They're like, so who do you like? And she said that she liked, they might be giants, Hell which yeah. is this obscure obscure, <laughs> totally not mainstream band it's like super weird stuff and and this is what I love about Nickelodeon so they like this they're, they're, this actress they're like they wanted to make her the character and so they like incorporated that into the show and when you think about it it's like it makes the most sense in the world that Clarissa would listen to They Might Be Giants right. this super weird offbeat quirky band and that is exactly what she is she's super eclectic and trying to trying to find her own unique style and like of course that makes sense she wouldn't listen to something as as (laughs) pedestrian (laughs) pedestrian and mainstream as new kids on the block
2: yeah that rules um i of course and i believe danny leary has talked about this as well found out about they might be giants through tiny tunes first, I think, because they did that like music is, video is episode. Istanbul, yeah. They did a symbol and they did particle man as well. Yeah. And I was just like, what is this band? Yeah. Um, wonderful.
1: Um, uh, birdhouse in my soul is one of my standard karaoke jams.
2: Such a, such a great jam. Um, so yeah, that, that's wonderful. I love that. I also remember an episode where Clarissa was sick and she asked, her parents were like, do you want me to rent you some videos? And she was like, the Little Mermaid and Beetlejuice? And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, Clarissa, get that Beetlejuice. <laughs> um, Clarissa, cool as hell. Oh man, um, Yeah, I, I mean, uh, he said something about... Uh, Oh yeah, Kablam. I mean, so okay. So we're talking the toasters. We're talking they might be giants. Danny Leary, why aren't you like the number one Kablam fan? Why didn't you win on Kablam with your voicemail? So? I know, right.
1: We need some I'm I'm just I'm waiting for the uh some another meme account, Kablam memes or something like that. It's like all <laughs> yeah. of, all the ska and merging of they might be giants and his they might be giants memes account, you know. <laughs> Into it. So Davis, we're so grateful for you and being a part of our community. Amen. So uh, we got Doug.
9: Hey, boys. This is uh, Doug from the distant shores of Egan, Minnesota. Shout um, out, Minnesota. Doing some errands, listening to the pod. And uh, you guys are talking about Michael Caine. And I just wanted to throw in there, if you say the words, my cocaine, it's actually Michael Caine saying his name in his own accent. Michael Caine. Michael Caine? <laughs> nah, sorry. Anyway, that Pop's wife. Yeah.
1: Michael Caine. I
2: feel like I've seen this. They <laughs> talked about this somewhere on that same interview where he talked about him doing an impression of himself or whatever. Yes. But, yeah, Michael yeah. Caine. Michael Caine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Michael Caine doing an impression, impression, impersonation of people doing a Michael Caine impression <laughs> right. yeah. is, is so meta. And I love it. And uh, yeah, he his, <laughs> oh Michael Caine. What a legend. Oh, my God. And also like the, the idea of Michael Caine just saying his own name. Just <laughs> that's you know, good. just like you. You would walk around saying your own name it just like doesn't Perfect. make any sense, but I love it. Mako Kane. Uh,
2: thanks doug shout out to egan uh where my mom lived for years and where i hung out uh, for a long time when she lived there so
1: yeah shout out shout out to minnesota shout out egan shout out uh doug so we got another we got another doug he wants to say uh something about our 100th episode
9: hey boys doug from egan again just calling uh to say congratulations on your 100th episode. That is very exciting. Uh, I wanted to say that I really enjoyed your Tyler Huckabee episode. I
4: mm-hmm. know it
9: wasn't about music, but I am a huge comic and movie nerd, and I thoroughly enjoyed listening to, to you all talk about that stuff. And uh, I'm also excited for the Goaty Hook episodes coming up. Mm-hmm. I've been a fan of theirs since uh, their first uh, sampler With Value Pack on tooth and nail, Um, and I followed them all the way till their end, and I got to see them at least two or three times in concert. And uh, yeah, they were they were great guys. They made great music, and uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. MagPod for life.
1: Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Doug. Um. Yeah, we next episode, John. One hundred. Hitting that hundo! Hitting that hundo!
2: City uh, Hawkins Pod. I'm bringing up Danny Leary a lot. I'm not uh, getting paid to to sponsor City <laughs> Hawkins Pod, but they just hit their hundo as well. Congrats to them. But yeah, we 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 would love it if you guys could call in with some of your favorite memories of the show over the last three years or the last hundred episodes. We can do a little celebrating next time. We're not exactly sure what we're doing in the episode, but <laughs> we got some fun stuff lined up. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Let us hit us up with those with those hundredth episode special messages.
1: Yes, please. Uh, Nikki P. Oh.
10: What up with Daddy? <laughs> it's your boy Nikki P. Uh, calling in about the uh, Nickelodeon episode, the uh, holiday special, uh, and we were Meg was talking about uh, pulling the Danny Spears and calling on. Uh, Crappy collar phone, so here I am on the road <laughs> calling in my crappy car phone. So, uh love the episode. I recently, my wife and I recently watched the Orange Years documentary. Yes. And I'm like seven years younger than y'all. But, you know, the little kid years coming in, again all the old school stuff, but also like transitioned into like the Spongebob, the fairly odd parents, all that stuff. So sure. uh loved it. You know, I lived in Florida, we traveled, we visited, like, the Nickelodeon Studios mm. back when it was all green and stuff. Didn't get the full, like, experience or, you know, watch shows take but went there, saw it, uh, was super stoked on it. Um, also, I've just been feeling nostalgic for the 90s. I uh, recently started Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. And I've been super in it. Okay. Uh. That was me too.
2: Losing him. Losing him on that crappy car phone.
1: Yeah. See, this is, this is what happens. This is, um, this is why, uh, you don't if you're in the car, I might, might, we might need to implore people to, uh, (laughs) to do that voice memo if they're in the car because, uh, we've learned Danny, Danny stairs has learned the, (laughs) uh, the car is not always the best place to be, but, um, Yes, thank you, Nikki P. Uh, 90s nostalgia. John, you have never watched Buffy, and I just feel seen like pieces here and there. I feel like there there would be some some good meat in there for us to definitely to pick off the bones. Especially the there's some problematic stuff, and Joss Whedon himself is a problematic dude. Yeah, um, but there's so much camp there as well but it's also creepy and you love the creepy stuff so it's true
2: i'm one of those weird people who saw buffy the vampire slayer the movie in the theater and like really loved that and then never really watched the show which is like the reverse of most people um but yeah some it's always been a show of me. i've been i have meant to watch that list is so long but that that would be fun maybe we could do a few episodes um our boy Brian Canberra also going through Buffy right now, as he's mm-hmm. mentioned on the discord. Um, you know what show I do really like is uh, the I- chilling adventures of Sabrina on Netflix, which maybe has a similar vibe a bit, but uh, I recommend is, that show if you haven't watched that.
1: Is that similar to, is that a spin on Sabrina, the teenage witch
2: it is, it is, it is Sabrina, but it's like a sort of more satanic version <laughs> from a more recent line of comics by the same guy who did like Afterlife with Archie and some of the darker Archie comics that sort of Riverdale came out of. Um, okay. But this, yeah, it's called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and gets into Sabrina. Like, what would it look like for her to go to like. Uh oh, uh oh, what do we got? <laughs> Someone's at the door.
3: <laughs> Hello. <laughs>
1: oh boy. Phantom Cackler.
2: He always comes up with, with little variations <laughs> and, and fun new spins on a classic. So this time ben, he was at the door, I guess. I
1: guess <laughs> so. He was uh he was letting us know he was at the door. Uh he's he's oh, uh, he's knocking and wants to come in. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe he's a vampire and we need to invite him in.
2: I have never listened to a phantom cackler voicemail without a giant smile across my face (laughs) truly brings me joy
1: yeah oh man thank you thank you cackler uh for for bringing us immense amounts of joy um so those are the voicemails pretty good appreciate it everybody thanks everybody um but you know john now i have a question for you what's that do you want to play a game? Oh, man. The Quiz Daddy's back. Quiz Daddy is back. I have been a little uh, lackluster these days, hmm. um, but we are back. I'm playing a game with you today called Podcast Surprise. For today, for today's game, John needs to fight Lou Ferrigno. I'll do it. Um, so a lot of these questions are going to be based on the uh, Sumo Surprise record that mm. we're discussing today. So things Goaty Hook related, Sumo Surprise related. Um, so it should be, should be a fun game. John, are you ready? I think so.
2: I'm ready okay. to, you know, I was the, the quizzer, not the quizzy last time, but I'm ready to, to step back into that hot seat.
1: First question. Sumo Surprise opens with the song Body Juggler. Mm. I don't think there's a world record for juggling bodies, but there is. if there was that record, it would probably go to Wilt Chamberlain. It's a Wilt Chamberlain joke in 2021. Mm. Um, which of these is not a current world record for juggling? A most chainsaw juggling catches on a unicycle B, most bowling balls juggled C, most balls juggled while surfing and D, most apples sliced in one minute while juggling knives team of two
2: okay um, I'm trying to think which is the most ridiculous here. But sometimes uh, that, that's how you get me uh, with your little tricks. Um,
1: well, you know, you got to think world records. You know, you've got you to set yourself apart.
2: It's true. It's true. Um, I, I, I imagine somebody has juggled chainsaws on a unicycle. It seems plausible. Um, I imagine someone has... Uh Oh, well, geez. I don't know. Most balls juggled with surfing. That seems plausible. The apples thing, the team of two, that seems so specific. I'm sure you could juggle bowling balls, but that just sounds really. jeez, ah, I don't know, man. Uh, I, Yeah, I'm going to go be bowling balls juggled. I don't feel good about it, though.
1: You don't feel good. Okay. So you <laughs> think that the one I made up is most bowling balls juggled.
2: Yeah. Mm. Hit me with it.
1: Um the one that I made up is most balls juggle ball surfing.
2: Oh, see that that does seem like someone could do that though, right?
1: Sure, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh juggling bowling balls uh <laughs> sounds that, awful. lots of sounds terrible, <laughs> lots of um uh, I've got to imagine that you have to have some pretty thick padding on the floor to right. And pretty uh, some some steel-toed shoes, right. but John, I want to show you the footage of the most apples sliced <laughs> in one minute while juggling <laughs> knives. Let's see it because this is a feat.
11: <laughs> um,
2: All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go! Wow. So one dude is chucking apples at a guy who's juggling the knives. And he's slicing them while he's juggling them. Dang. <laughs> Various camera angles. Slow-mo.
1: Dang. Right down the middle. Hell yeah. This it's just pretty cool. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, it's let alone the fact that you need to... Juggle knives? Juggle knives, but then like slice an apple and have the, the hand-eye coordination to slice that apple. Right. It's right very half. impressive. Yeah, man. Get him on the pod. Um, all right. So, off to a rough start. <laughs> uh, question two. Everyone has fallen for the occasional infomercial. You're up way late watching the Magic Bullet infomercial for the 10th time, and you think... I mean, I love making salsa, but I'm tired of all the mess. Fish fans, uh, you know, goatee hook, fish hook. Uh-huh. Fish fans have also fallen for a variety of as-seen-on-TV claims. Mm. Which of these is not a real as-seen-on-TV product? A, my fun fish tank. <laughs> a kid-friendly aquarium that uses gravity-clean technology to reduce all the time and mess. B, the wonder boner a spine removal tool that takes out the fish skeleton in just seconds Hmm. c the laser lure a fishing lure with laser enhanced technology the red dot attracts fish like it does your dog or cat d fresh catch an activated charcoal sleeve used to microwave pre-cooked fish that eliminates that fishy odor hmm
2: Hmm. All good contenders. You know, obviously I'm drawn to Wonder Boner. <laughs> but I feel like it's just so ridiculous that it has to be real. Uh, I could see someone having a spine removal tool uh, and calling it the Wonder Boner. My Fun Fish Tank seems plausible. Um, gravity Clean Technology, oh, that seems real fresh catch i mean if that's not real it should be someone should look into uh eliminating a fishy odor but i don't know laser lure again s- seems plausible but uh i don't know I, I it seems it seems the least likely to me so i'm going to see laser lure
1: laser lure is the fake one i made up is that what you're saying
2: correct john i'm mm-hmm. sorry Ugh.
1: um is it the fish odor one? It is fresh catch. Oh, I made up I made up fresh catch. That really but
2: seems like it should be a real as seen on TV
1: product. It should. Um so I can't I can't show you all of these infomercials because they're all just so wonderful. But the laser lure is a special kind of fantastic. <laughs> okay. It is some of the worst infomercial acting i have ever seen in my life it's is so it? bad but uh i need to show you <laughs> i need to show you uh the wonder boner uh because <laughs> it is it is so wonderful <laughs>
0: <Woo-hoo>! Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: okay who wants to clean and to bone
5: them? i'll do it what gives you want to do it just wait till you see what i've got <laughs> it's the Wonder Boner. <laughs> the Wonder Boner? Aw, oh, you laugh now. Just watch. You just assemble the Wonder boner stainless steel rods like this, take the fish, find the top of the spine, slide it through the ring on the Wonder Boner, and... Ugh, gross. Voila! The Wonder Boner.
1: My wife would like that. <laughs>
2: i bet
11: you
1: it this is this no absolutely <laughs> that they, they know exactly what they were doing this is this is like the peak of just self-awareness that right. they're like we are gonna lean into we are gonna lean into the wonder boner so but this could
2: fully be an snl sketch <laughs> down to the like disgusting <laughs> removal of the spine
1: i know it. it's great but um so but you everybody should look up the laser lure it's so it's so it's so bad they're trying to come off as very casual and it's 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 a joke um all 0 right over two, over oh, two. uh question three we all know that ukla the punk famously fought lou ferrigno which of these other pieces of trivia about the ferrigs is fake uh uh-huh. A. Lou sued his brother twice for using his own last name, <laughs> Frigno, for one of his businesses. Mm-hmm. B. Lou's scene in *I Love You, Man*, where he puts Jason Segel in a headlock, was almost cut because of how much Lou Frigno hates being called the Hulk. C. Lou was appointed the tw- <laughs> was appointed by the twice impeached former president to be a member of on the Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. Or D, Arizona Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Swarin Frigno is a member of a volunteer sheriff posse, which also includes Steven Seagal.
2: Lots, lots of potential tough looks here for Frigg now. (laughs) Regardless of which one is fake. uh, Not not coming out great. The Frigg's. No, the
1: Frigg's is not looking solid in any of these options.
2: Hmm. I mean I suppose it's possible that he did the I Love You Man scene and in the script they didn't make mention of the Hulk and then he was mad that they ultimately did, but it seems like the kind of thing that he would approve ahead of time. So I'm ruling that one out. C and D, um, both uh, sort of Trump and Trump-adjacent political appointees. I buy one of those, but maybe not both. Um, Which one is more likely, though? Uh, Which
1: one is more? You think one of those is the fake one?
2: I think so. Okay. Um, You know... I, don't, I was not aware of the Frigg's politics, um, but uh, let's see. I mean, I feel like I, oh boy, I don't know. Um, I'm Trump appointing him sounds very Trumpy. Like he'd be like, whatever happened to the Hulk? He was the best. Frigg, no. Get him in. And everybody's like, uh, big okay. Big strong
1: man. <laughs> I see him crying. <laughs> he comes up to me, tears in his eyes. Oh, man, it's been he's like while. He's like, you don't want to see him mad
2: wow since we've done a trump um <laughs> uh okay. yeah so yes always uh i'm going d uh joe arpaio did not actually swear frigno in
1: um you're saying joe arpaio uh and <laughs> did not swear in lou frigno and steven seagal uh as a volunteer sheriff posse <laughs> No, that is man, that is true. Oh, that boy. is true. Steven Seagal and Friggs, <laughs> dream team. Oh, <laughs> <Ugh>, gross. <laughs> no, the uh, the whole thing about uh, Lucine, I love you, man. Yeah, that's true. He, yeah, no, wow. no, oh, he. Oh, oh. no, I made that up.
2: Oh, that's what I'm saying. Okay, that, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got yeah,
1: it. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, he. He loved he like he was very positive about that whole movie that whole experience
2: so this is another classic
1: case of me getting confused this is why i was asking (laughs) i'm like so you think one of these two is one i made up after i got done saying that
2: i didn't think it was plausible that he would agree to something where he's called the (laughs) hulk uh I give myself a half point on that one. All right, <laughs> just, all right. I got confused.
1: Uh, Danny, Danny, Danny stairs, uh, come at uh, me. So what do you think about have, this half point? Danny stairs.
2: I have no excuse. <laughs> I just get confused. I'm looking at the words. You're sharing your screen. You're clarifying my answers. Nonetheless, Nonetheless. America heard me say that I thought B was fake as I was processing it. So yeah. I, I think I get something for that.
1: All right, All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Moving on. So uh, question four. We all know Jeff Bezos loves money. Money, money, money. More than his little honey.
3: <laughs>
1: Bezos is worth close to 200 billion dollars, making him the richest person in the world. And his fortune reportedly grew by 24 billion during the pandemic. So cool. that's super cool. Yeah. Um how much money if we if we freeze jeff bezos's 200 billion dollars in money right now how much money could he spend every day for the next 50 years before he runs out this is essentially a math problem so
2: not my strong suit
1: not my strong suit either so how much could he spend every day for the next 50 years which by the way he would be 107 um if he lived that long but would it be a a million dollars every day b 4 million dollars every day c 9 million dollars every day or d 11 million dollars every day for the next 50 years
2: um i'm just going to go straight to d because 11 million sounds uh wild which means it's probably true so 11 million yep hey look at that the most depressing that. answer
1: is correct um yes Jeff Bezos could spend 11 million dollars every single day for <laughs> doesn't make 50 any sense. years. Oh man. And, and this uh, is why I think people don't realize the difference between a million and a billion. Right. Because you're like that doesn't seem right. Right. Um and this is also why I think uh Jeff Bezos is a legit supervillain. Because if you have the ability to spend eleven million dollars until you're over a hundred, right, and like, why would you not do that, right? Why would you not like? And he doesn't even need to spend eleven million. He could spend a million (laughs) dollars every day, literally giving it to charity after charity if he wanted to, like, forever, and. I mean, he's going to
2: space. He's got to spend that money. He I spend it, it in the so- right ways. He's going to space. Uh, his his uh, yacht has a yacht or whatever. <laughs> Remember yeah, that he, thing? <laughs>
1: yeah, he is. His super yacht needed a support yacht. <sighs> um, yeah. So he's a he's a legitimate monster, uh, yeah. and I think it is one of the most evil things in the world to have that much money. He is disgusting.
2: He loves money, money, money,
1: money. Yep. All right, John, we have one more question, but this is this might be something that you we've never done before. You might have a lifeline, because coming in, we have Jason Zymet from Unoriginal Vinyl, Shadow Producer. Hmm. So um, we're talking, question five, we're talking tracks. Hmm. We can't be sure what kind of tracks on this one. that track boy was passing out, but chances are it was a chick track. The late Jack, Ch- Jack T. Chick was a cartoonist made famous by his controversial cartoon booklets and horrific theology. Which of these other pieces of trivia about Jack Chick is fake? So one of these I made up. A, Jack has authored more than 250 titles, making him America's most published author. B, he said every translation of the Bible since 1611 is heretical and promotes immorality. C. A movie about Dungeons & Dragons was inspired by a Chick tract of the same name, Dark Dungeons. Or D. Jack Chick has declared that the Catholic communion wafer is an idol, a false god, blasphemous, and that the Vatican is marked for destruction by the Lord.
2: Um, famously chill dude Um, (laughs)
1: super cool guy everybody loves hanging out with Jack Chick
2: man I feel like I've seen that Dark Dungeons thing Uh, B about the Bible translations and D about the community wafer seem plausible I mean A seems so outlandish that he's America's most published author that I'm tempted to go there but then I'm like maybe that's true somehow uh boy I guess how you define like published is is subjective. Um, man, you got, I, a,
1: you got a friend here, John.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna phone a friend, uh, Jason. What do you What do you think?
11: I honestly think it's got to be a because there are yeah. some nut nut jobs in Boulder, Colorado, yes. <laughs> who sit at Pearl Street Mall professing that they have published over a thousand of their own works.
2: Right. Right.
11: 250 tracks. I don't know if it's like. Are you saying that it's a, a full book has been published? Or are you saying a, a track is technically a publishing? Because there's like thousands of tracks. Right. I don't feel ha- like that number is low enough, honestly.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> or yeah. High,
11: high enough is what I mean. Jeez.
2: I, my inclination is A as well, so.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go A.
2: Let's see what happens.
1: You are correct. Hey. Yes, uh, yeah, Jack Chick is nowhere near being the most published author, um, but the you you are correct. The uh, um, Dark Dungeons is y- you may have seen uh, this this uh, this <laughs> this movie. It is a um, it is a bummer. Um, So let's just go ahead and, and Watch a little bit of this Dark Dungeons trailer uh, Because As we all know, Jack Chick and whoever Made this movie definitely has an idea About what D&D is
0: You must trust me without hesitation For this is the most important Adventure of your very lives Are you ready uh, to RPG? Yeah! One goal, and one goal only to stay in the game. Let's get ready to RPG! Ah! Who are you? I'm Marcy. No, you are not Marcy! <laughs> Who are you? I'm Blackleaf, the thief of the shadows.
3: RPG! <laughs> RPG!
2: <laughs> RPG! RPG! <laughs> RPG! RPG! Maybe we should go. That senior warned us about playing RPGs.
10: Using RPGs to fight evil will never work because RPGs
2: are evil spells i think your hands are perfect for spell casting spells so much that you could do with them poison <laughs> oh, <Battles. man. laughs> mean. killing i'm
7: going to die yeah but it's all imagination i'm going to
1: die and thanks to the power of the subconscious so uh, wow. you, you, we all know, we all know that when you go to like college parties and like the, the frat bros are like, RPGs. "Who's ready for RPG, bro?"
2: I have a question: <laughs> Is this movie about RPGs? Because I was not clear on that <laughs>
1: aspect. Oh my wow. god, bro! That's incredible.
2: That's yeah. that sounds like a Patreon episode.
1: Oh, also. it's it's so it's so embarrassing. So this
2: is straight up based on the chick tract.
1: Yes, dark dungeons. It's based on that chick tract. Legitimately, that's a thing. Well, uh... doesn't
2: it? Doesn't it
11: feel like the perfect combination between just the worst season of Are You Afraid of the Dark and like (laughs) the the tail end of Goosebumps when Fox Kids Club was just going down the tank and you're like, are they really reaching now?
1: Yeah. Uh, No, there's there's no episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark that even comes close (laughs) to how. <laughs> How, like, I, I outside know, of man. reality, like, there's no hot college frat bro who's like hyping up RPGs. RPGs that doesn't exist, that's never existed even once. Like, a whole room full of people cheering to play an R- to play Dungeons and Dragons. I don't,
11: I don't know, man. There's this one episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark with the girl from that Firefly show. Um, and yes. she's in fantasy the whole time and she's just walking through smoke the whole entire episode. Sounds you know? familiar. There's a yeah. lot of
2: smoke on that show.
11: <laughs> like so much melodrama and everyone's in period costume like they're right, in a right, DVD right. episode. I'd have yep. to really reach into my brain. Um, there was a point in time when I did a 17 minute long A Day to Remember music video. It okay. was 17 minutes of A Day to Remember's breakdowns only. And it was set to... <laughs> all of the scariest parts of all you afraid of the dark.
1: Oh my God. This,
11: this exists. Uh, you can watch it. It's amazing. Um,
1: Jewel, yeah. Jewel state uh, a mainstay of Canadian Thank you. children's television. Yeah.
11: Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Um, uh, also she was on the, sh- uh, the show with Ben Foster. Shit. What was that show? Flash forward. Flash forward. Yes. Um, yeah, that was a great show. Big, ben, I was a flash forward fan. Ben
11: Foster, man, that get over it movie is so good because his performance is insane, and it's a teen rom com from the '90s with like Kirsten Dunst.
2: But you just Foster. watch,
11: yeah, you watch him, and you're mesmerized. You're like, this is not like any teen comedy I've ever seen before. This is unbelievable.
2: It's always been an interesting uh, actor. Ben yeah. Foster,
1: very get, method.
2: Get him on the yeah. pod. Get him on the pod. <laughs> um, it's so funny because that the whole like dungeons and dragons being a gateway to demons was such an eighties, like satanic panic thing. It's funny that this movie came out like five years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, anyway. it's, it's, it is, it is bizarre because the, this is what's funny to me is that this movie operate, operates under the assumption that spells are real because right. they're like showing spells. her <laughs> spells, spells, <laughs> Uh, battles, you know, same thing. Uh, but like that, because they're showing her like, like Dr. Stranging the air, you know, with like right. spells floating through the air. It's like, you guys, you can't Pretty be cool that stuff. dumb. Can't be that dumb. All right. Um, so, what was
2: that? Two for five on this?
1: Yeah, it was two for five.
2: All right. Not, not my, my, my best shot, but uh, not, not
1: your best. But, John, when we come back, we are going to be talking. Sumo surprise yeah, okay. with our boy, our shadow producer, Jason, this debut Goaty Hook record. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Hi, I'm Peter Santoscano. I host Bubble and Squeak here on the Rock Candy Network. I tell personal revealing stories. She whispered. Did you just masturbate? Because I felt a terrible presence of evil enter the I make prank phone calls to the past. Heimbach, oh,
5: so Elijah Heimbach speaking how my house.
1: And to the future. <clears throat> because my boyfriend and I are just not having enough sex. Always a problem with the sex, yes. Honey. You just have to listen to it. It's too hard to describe. Check out Bubble and Squeak wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming in on a nice chill note, mm-hmm. coming down from the uh, rage that I was feeling from my own questions, uh, <laughs> from talking about Jeff Bezos raises my blood pressure to an extent that I it just gets to an unsafe level. Mm-hmm. But we're talking sumo surprise, we're talking goatee hook. I've been so 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 looking forward to this record and talking about this band um, because Goaty Hook marks a significant shift for me in my taste in music in an an era where my love of tooth and nail bands uh, and awareness of this scene blossomed. So I'm very much looking forward to this. So, but we have to introduce and welcome our boy, our shadow producer, Jason Zimet from Unoriginal Vinyl. Welcome back to Magnified Pod, our uh, very first guest that we've ever had on the pod. We're coming up on 100 episodes. We're coming up on three years. We talked to you like maybe four or five episodes into the to the pod even existing. And uh, we're just so grateful for you and for the journey that this pod's been on with you for these past three years. We're grateful for your friendship. Um, And we absolutely knew uh, that we wanted to have you unequivocally on to talk about this album because of your history with this album, your history with this band um and your just connection to this record just in general
11: thank you for having me let's just recap that night that we met uh and interviewed for (laughs) these
1: i don't know you at all no
11: you've put out two episodes on a podcast maybe at that time probably what are we thinking 40 listeners streamed (laughs)
1: probably yeah barely barely mostly
11: mostly writing on the namesake of mxpx like what's this novel curious thing yeah and somebody calls you out of the blue and says hey how would you like to come to my sketchy hotel room in (laughs) a weird part of chicago yeah
1: Yeah. and we're like and we're like (laughs) and and we're like definitely uh let's go do this let's go drink this random dude's (laughs) uh old uh, fashions old his bourbon in his hotel room and talking xpx we're like absolutely we're doing this
11: that's the best part of the story is two people agreed to this
1: yeah (laughs)
11: apart from me
1: i was so i was so ready for this i I mean john and i were like this is we we both were like this is a little weird but like we're not not doing this
2: (laughs) I remember being in the lobby of the hotel, like, okay, we're either, this is the moment of truth. We're either going to make a good friend here, or we're going to be murdered. So, I'm yeah. glad that uh, it went the the former route.
1: <laughs> I mean, he Jason still could murder us. But That's true. He, he, this could be a long con or something yeah. <laughs>
2: for the for the worst payoff ever. Yeah, uh. this
1: is a uh, this is when uh, all MagPod listeners were introduced to Yelly Andrew, who uh, gets louder. The drunker he gets.
11: Do we do we recognize that maybe it's me who brings that out in you now?
1: <laughs> um, yelling.
11: From your Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I just
1: me. no I've I've I have railed about Jeff Bezos on more than one occasion today. <laughs> yeah. I was I was talking to all. L- I was talking to Lauren earlier today just out of I was just furious. Anytime I bring him up, I just get furious. So Anyway. Okay, tell
11: tell me each of your story well, exposure to to Godie Hook and I'll tell you my. Jason, you you
1: know you know the question we need to ask here. <laughs> yes. When when Jason, I I want to ask. John, may I ask Jason? Yes, do the honors. Okay. Jason, when did you first hear of Godie Hook?
11: 1995. For sure. Early. Right when this record came out. Yeah. Like
2: I, yeah, you know okay.
11: here's the thing here's the thing it, it was probably 1996 in April it was definitely my 7th grade year and somebody like the day it came out had bought the CD and I immediately stole it from them
1: <laughs> I thought this I thought this album came out in 96
11: Yeah it did there's a lot of there's a lot of conjecture about this on when it officially came out there's no official record on when it did come out but 96 is the most likely bet so yeah I guess it was So I was reading about um, new releases and some music chart stuff that they were having on the music truth tunes, posters and stuff like that. And before this band was signed, they had two albums come out or EPs, I guess. One was called No Date and one was called Boca Grande. Mm -hmm. And then they had a little seven inch record come out that was a split with Huntington's and a band called Lukewarm on Burnt Toast Vinyl. Uh, And that was sort of what had drawn the attraction of Tooth and Nail to sign them. And I've heard this story from Jamie, their guitar player slash sort of mostly a a big writer in the band who was actually the front man in the band at the start, Uh, Jamie was instead of Joel Bell. And I think this happened very fast for them between 95 and 96. They were a youth group band who had a little bit tighter Uh, sound than most bands and the other thing i thought about is how you at this point in the pod history have really not covered any east coast bands
1: that's true no
11: you've gotten as far east as maybe like ace troubleshooter but it's mostly ace troubleshooter west
1: yeah it's a good point Um, yeah i mean yeah minnesota is as far east as we get
11: (laughs) So this whole scene that was sort of happening in the Eastern area between Virginia, Pennsylvania, yeah. and not so much Carolinas, but mostly honestly Virginia yeah. and yeah, DC
1: and, and Philly. There was a
11: whole scene around that, that like the burnt toes vinyl guys were a part of, and there was a big emo hardcore and punk movement around yeah. there in those days. So I've talked to Brett Dieter from Ju- Juliana theory about that scene quite a bit. And then it sort of skipped Carolinas and Georgia. I guess Georgia had Squad 50 technically, but then it went down to Florida where there was a big scene, like a big emo metal mm-hmm. hardcore scene. But Goaty Hook was kind of an anomaly. Most bands were not from DC in the pop punk genre. If you were from DC, you were either in like the spaz core scene or the emo, the true emo scene, as they call it, from the mid. mid nineties, you know, Frodus and things like that. There was like that noise core movement, but
1: Frodus fucking rules
11: this happy music, uh, from the youth group, I think it belonged out West. Let's just say that, Mm. (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. And it belonged in youth groups, sort of like the further West they got, the more popular they got.
3: Mm.
11: Yeah. Um, But I would say, I would say the moment I heard body juggler, I was just like, I'm all in this band fricking
2: rules.
1: This is amazing.
2: Um, they go ahead.
1: No, no, no. Go ahead, John.
2: I was just going to say they are by far this season, the band that I know and love the most that we've covered or will cover. Um, but I came to them through banana man and didn't get sumo until after that. So I definitely prefer banana man to this. So we'll, we'll get into this.
1: I think this is a controversy, um, because, uh without a doubt unequivocally just scientific fact uh, sumo surprise without a doubt sounds better by every definition imaginable um, this album just sounds like a cohesive record it's such a pleasure to listen to everything about this record uh, all the to- all the guitar tones, all the bass tones, all the drums, everything about this record just sounds leaps and bounds better than any than than Banana Man. Uh, but it was also my this was also my introduction. I also yeah. loved Banana Man yeah. when it came out. Listening to these two albums back to back, it's tough because Banana Man sounds like garbage and uh my so i w- i'll just say that um my introduction to this record was uh i there's this guy in my middle school who had he was like selling some CDs and he knew i was a christian And he was like, do you want to buy some like some CDs off me that he was getting rid of? And this this was one of them. So in eighth grade, so that would have been either 97, maybe 97 is my guess would have been Mm -hmm. Um, when I got it, it was either 97 or 98 because that was my eighth grade year um and and so i bought the cd off of him in the hallway outside of homeroom and uh and i think this was just the beginning of a a relationship with tooth and nail records that uh i just never looked back and um, I don't know, I don't know why he was getting rid of it, whether it was just like he, he, or how he came upon it. I didn't ask that that came into his possession, whether he thought it was too Christian or, or whatever, but, um, yeah, I, this, it was, a it was just sort of a, a love, a love of goatee hook immediately. And, um, and from there, I, One of my my first Goaty Hook show was at North Park University. Um, (laughs) It was a very random show. It was Goaty Hook and POD and Morella's Forest. Quite the lineup. Uh, It was a random assortment of bands. But um, I think, I think when I saw them, at the at that point i think it was post banana man um it was -hmm. it was around banana man because i think conrad had already left the band Mm -hmm. because i remember talking to christian and i asked where conrad was and he said that he wasn't in the band anymore
2: yeah i remember that i mean as we go through the discography and, and eventually get to two years to never i remember mentally deciding as a kid that Conrad leaving was this thing that made a a huge you know a marked difference in the band and and how they sounded it's probably more complex than just that one thing but I do remember that being a significant event and being bummed out about that Um, you guys have alluded to some of the stuff already but just to give some context they actually formed in 1991 which is several years before uh, even the EPs uh, in Fairfax Virginia essentially a suburb of DC like we said uh, when I lived in D.C. and I saw a food lion for the first time in Virginia, I was psyched. Um, <laughs> the initial lineup is Joel Bell on lead vocals, sometimes guitar. Conrad Tolosa, lead guitar and vocals. Jamie Tolosa, rhythm guitar and vocals. Christian Ergueda, bass and vocals. And Adam Newbauer on drums,
1: unless I'm screwing any of that up, Jason. <laughs> Adam Neubauer. Um, Adam, Adam and... Uh and Joel were, were buddies and right. they were sort of like the impetus for the band. And that, the, and then they, um, and then it was just sort of like went from, it went from there. I feel like those were sort of like the dudes that started writing and, uh, and yeah, so like the, the band started early, and, right. but it wasn't until, you know you know it's not like they started putting out putting out shit like immediately right um but yeah so I think everybody should so there's this great interview that Billy Power does with with Joel like this like in 2015 um it was just like an outstanding an outstanding interview um so it gives just so much context to to the band and to him and um and kind of like how he has kind of a grown and evolved post post Gody hook one of the little tidbits that i learned um the whole Gody hook thing uh i from what i remember it was, it was a conrad idea and <laughs> joel uh does not like the band name (laughs) the band that he's in that he's a lead singer for he does not like he did not like confusing um, name (laughs) it's a confusing name uh the whole phonetics of of everything with the gh being like rough right and then the i being like well the o being like women the o being like women and uh the t or the, the fish the the s the the that being like 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 the tion that that the sh sound right.
11: fiction yeah yes, fiction, fiction
1: yeah that sort of that sort of thing so it's it's a the whole the whole idea was to call out the absurdity of the of the english language uh i mean they didn't they didn't come up with that that idea that that idea like sort of Right. Existed before them, um but it is. uh it's, it, it, it's never
11: been executed more poorly than in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: remember like walking around
2: trying to describe my hoodie that had Goatee Hook on it to people, and I was like, "Well, it's Goatee Hook, but you got to take the G H, and it's like F and the O, and it's like, eh, and it's just like people with, like eyes glazed over." Yeah, um, I did.
11: I did get some specific insights on this album
2: uh-huh.
11: uh, from Jamie. Mister Jamie wrote me some feedback on it Ooh. so i'd like to read you his yes letter about oh shit his thoughts on sumo surprise as an exclusive for you right now here oh Sclusive. hell yes <clears throat> got
1: that mag magpod exclusive from jamie let's hear it uh, two words
11: that separately mean nothing but when paired together form the title of the most iconic debut lp ever recorded <laughs> sumo surprise What more can possibly be said about this record that hasn't already been told a million times over? Let me just be succinct. Greatest album of all time. (laughs) Did we know when we recorded it some 25 years ago that it would go on to transcend time and space? Yes. (laughs) If you think about it, we had all the right ingredients to succeed. We Mm -hmm. had the shared life experience of some high school and college kids. Songs that didn't even have titles, let alone lyrics, when we began recording them. <laughs> A weird double-duty engineer-producer situation in that control room that sure didn't make things awkward at all. <laughs> no recording experience, well, minimal recording experience. Some really crappy instruments that we would brought in, which we were pretty accustomed to playing with, that we were immediately told, please ditch now for their <laughs> nicer studio gear. Yep, all these factors and much more contributed to the crafting of this masterpiece. That's it. <laughs>
1: That's pretty great. That's amazing. Thanks, uh, from lamp Lampshade himself. Um, <laughs>
2: My word. Yeah, we should say uh, so Lampshade. We got, sometimes Adam Newbauer is credited as 8-Track Jones eight-track or Jones. Chachi Manchu. <laughs> uh,
1: El Guapo is uh, uh, Christian. Uh, no. Gobbles the Overlord is Conrad. <laughs> uh, Jamie is Lampshade joel is uncle slappy <laughs> and uh when
11: i when i saw Goody hook in 1997 for the first time just those names and those images they had of them as being this like you know lost boys of like youth group just the goofiest kid in all yeah. the different like regional youth groups that I frequented playing shows. There's yeah, always yes. a gobbles, the overlord kid. There's <laughs> a, always an A track Jones kid. Yeah, and there's always right. that one dude and they came together to make a band. So I just wanted to see what these guys look like in person. And when I watched the original Goody hook lineup play, they didn't even have a uh, banana man out yet. Hmm. It was a Marvel. I yeah. was just awestruck front row watching them in a dirt track at this festival and um that was before joel was playing guitar and singing at the same time so he was just bouncing all over the place conrad as a player and a performer was just the goofiest guy you've ever seen in your life you knew he was really relishing every single moment of these goofy songs yeah so when you'd scream out play dry run he would like get this just devilish little look in his face like you want to hear that song okay let's do it
1: you know see this is this is the thing about and and maybe i'm jumping a little too far ahead but when you watch those early videos and those early shows um of the five members and just the unparalleled energy yeah that they had compared to the phoned in performance of their like final cornerstone show when it's just like essentially a three-piece yeah those dudes and were act-
11: tired and ha- just done they're just everything. done they're just yeah.
1: done like after after christian was gone and after when it was just when it was just uh jamie and adam and joel left <laughs> essentially yeah. yeah and it was just like and everything was just sort of falling apart you're just like this is this is like a you know like one of those like behind the music stories <laughs> in the making yeah. when when you just see like everything just starts out everybody's just so energetic and positive and then just by the end everybody's just like what is happening this this is just falling apart um yeah it didn't take too long either as i recall like we're no. talking
11: even though they started in 91 and maybe six
1: years, maybe
11: they were really only on the national radar for six years or something like that. I think I saw them at least 10, at least 10 times from the inception and sumo surprise until the very, as we call it the bitter end.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Now, one of those times was when your band opened for them, right? Oh yes. Yes. you have any memories of that historic occasion? (sighs)
11: So I was in a band called average, um, I was 13 years old and I was at every single Christian show there was. So if Mm -hmm. it was value pack, strolling through town, I'd make our youth group guys take us to these shows. um, And sometimes act as our legal guardian. If they were playing like a nightclub and it was 21 and over, Mm -hmm. I'd say that they were like, you know, my 21 year old older brother or something. Uh,
1: So Jason, just to interrupt for a second, is there like video of you (laughs) talking about like, that you're going to be opening for Goody Hook? Does that like sort of video exist in the world?
11: It does. And to boot, we're also covering seasons. There you go. In said video. Yes, that exists fully.
1: Well, we're absolutely, we don't even want your permission. We're absolutely going to share that video on social media this week. Let's do it.
11: I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. 13 year old me telling a room of 60 kids, guys, Biggest thing in my life to happen to this to date. I'm 13 years old. (laughs) With a voice like a flute. (laughs) We're opening for Goaty Hook come March 11th, 1998. (laughs) Everyone of y'all better be there. And to be honest with you, most of them did go. (laughs) I mean, it was like we, let's say that Goaty Hook playing in Boulder, Colorado in 1998 was a losing proposition for the promoter. If not for me bringing four youth groups entirely to this show. And I was just that type of personality as a 13 year old who just said like, you're not not going, you have to come. And so we brought, you know, everybody from our school and other schools to this show. And it was a great show for Goaty Hook on a tour where they're like, their bus had broken down that day. And they had to hitch a ride with a band from Grand Junction, Colorado, just to make it to the gig in Boulder. You know, like you could tell those guys were like, this sucks. (laughs) But they got to a very lively audience in uh, Harvest Baptist Church in a good old, uh, good old Boulder, Colorado. And um, I think that was the start of me realizing the power of just promotion and Mm. advocating for myself. Like we had a we had a full on seven songs that we had written and we, you know, told the promoter we would pay for his gas money to come and watch us audition for the show Hmm. if he would let us play it and open it and basically i sat him down and i was at this as a 13 year old kid all right now buddy how many people are you thinking to get to this gig you think you're gonna get what 50 60 how would you like 400 because i i'm here to offer you 400 people
1: (laughs) all of a sudden all of a sudden you're from jersey (laughs) no yeah yeah. hey hey fucking let me tell you something there guy you want you? You think fifty kids at a show is a fucking big deal over here? <laughs> um, just, it, yeah. Yes.
11: It, so hey, let was, me
1: tell you something. We're we're anything but average. Right, there right. you go.
11: <laughs> and that same year at that same church, we played with Craig's brother, Slick Shoes, and Smiley Kids, and a band yeah. called uh, Viva Voce, who is like an indie rock band. Uh, Dude, sounds
2: vaguely familiar. Killing yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, what a legend.
1: Uh So it's
11: just, it's so funny because none of that shit mattered at my school at right,
1: all. Right, right. Yeah. Dude, but that stuff, that stuff would have meant like everything to me. It like, did to
11: yeah. me, a 100%. Yeah. Like I didn't, it gave me so much confidence to not care about what people thought of me as an eighth grader.
1: Right. How is that even possible? How do you achieve that? How do you achieve <laughs> not caring what people think about you as an eighth grader?
11: It was, it was just, Teach me. Uh, it was great. It felt great. Like, <laughs> i'm into this music i don't care if you're into it but come watch us like come mosh what's moshing i don't know let's just do it
1: i <laughs> really sk- don't know i feel, I feel like mo-
11: five iron frenzy and we'll you know
1: yeah it moshing moshing is the is you're you're allowed to touch the body of another person which <laughs> in any in other circumstances would be a sin
11: yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. We good, did, we did a, we did Ooh, a five I'm, iron... I'm So
1: sweaty and I'm slamming my body against you. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm slamming my body against you for the Lord. Delicious. Oh <laughs>
11: uh, that was like, I think at that moment, like between I think 97 or 98 and 2000 when we weren't taking ourselves seriously, but we could just draw crowds out. It was like, Hey guys, come to this five iron frenzy concert. We're opening for five iron frenzy. Cause uh jeff's uh i'm sorry leonora's brother needed bail to get bail money out of jail and so they did a charity show for his her brother to get out of jail uh and so we went up and played that and it was funny because i'm 13 years old but i'm hanging out with 22 year olds in these bands you know what i mean and when you're 13 and you're hanging out with a bunch of 22 year olds and they're kind of like who's this mouthy kid down over here
2: (laughs) he seems to be writing things (laughs) i
11: know literally running shows, promoting, like, you know, there's books written about it, literally about my hometown, where I'm it's called Local Legends of Broomfield, and I'm on the front cover as, like, awesome. a, kid, a kid promoter of shows.
2: Man, Anyways. Uh, so,
11: uh, Sumo Surprise. It was Sumo the, surprise. the entire world to me. It meant so much to me to do this.
1: Yeah, it I still think. does. It really still does to me. You know, yeah. even looking back on this record, I think there might be some people who think, it might not hold up, but when you when you kind of couple uh, even some of like the the eye rolling problematic stuff in here, it's you're and and you kind of like see maybe where some of the members of the band are now. You're just like, all right, I think we've all kind of. If in like, even just sort of like with Jamie's, you know, note that you read sort of like winky winky tongue in cheek, obviously he's the sort
11: combined, of the combined life experience of high schoolers and college kids. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. you were just like, yeah, this is. Um, and even when you listen to Joel's interview that he did with Billy power back in 2015, he said something that was like he there he felt this almost like obligation to write these kinds of songs these kinds of songs about their faith god 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 God. (laughs) yes uh and um even but even still some of the songs that are just like the silliest I'm like, these these songs kind of slap. So yeah.
2: yeah. I think that's always been w- my memory of Goaty Hook is like very silly um, and, and not taking themselves too seriously, but also vacillating between like really heavy emotional songs and these sillier songs and pulling off the heavier ones for the most part. Um, yeah, yeah. I think they are you know, indicative of, of the rest of the bands this season very much in, in keeping with pretty much every band we've talked about where like the first record, the most sort of evangelical out of of any of them generally, maybe feeling some of that pressure to do that. Um, and then, you know, there are some thematic bummers here, which we'll get into, but like, by and large, I think this is still mostly a delight to listen to. It's, uh, you know,
1: I don't, I don't listen to this record. And get bummed out by no. certain songs in the way that I was bummed out by Dogwood or even Ace Troubleshooter or even like even Slick Shoes. Like there's, there, first off, there's not an abortion song, which well, thank
2: there God. Kind of is, but yeah, not fully. We'll get there.
1: What? <laughs> you, what? What are you?
2: Scared am I? But it's not, it's abortion adjacent. And that's actually like what I appreciate about them is I feel like they often touch on heavy stuff without making it heavy-handed, which a lot of the bands of the age of these kids were not doing as successfully. Um, and I appreciated their sort of references to to heavy, big themes, but yeah, like you're saying, doing it in a way that didn't make you feel bummed out. I mean, they, they definitely check all the boxes of the bands that we've covered this season where there is a song that's like, girls are nothing but trouble yes <laughs> there is a song about like evangelizing someone on the street who doesn't want to hear it you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah there yeah. are a lot of those elements but i think they pull it off it, it more successfully than a lot of bands did
1: yeah um, you, you don't walk away from it being like being like Ugh, this is you know like um you know i killed the son of god today <laughs> Sure. right
11: it does introduce a new box topic for me though so i'm interested mm. to talk
2: to you guys about there's, I think there's Ooh. a couple potential box topics um, oh ah. these
11: these are some posters that i have from the original like shows that i would go see where they signed yes. and, and adam would always do these drawings on everything that he did so um what's
2: Christine, the drawing on that one
11: this is just like some weird dude like i don't even know what he is he's just <laughs> a weird character He'd always draw like these Muppet type characters. Christian was the nicest guy in the entire world. He was their promoter. He was the guy who would go booking shows for them. Yeah. He would show up. He was the money guy. He was always the guy who would take youth group kids out to the 7-Eleven and buy them a Slurpee like he did for me. Uh, Not kidding. Uh, And then this one is uh, another one with like goofy drawings on it that has an Adam drawing. It says, hey, Jason, good luck with average. You're a really nice guy. Thanks for liking us. Uh,
3: that's
11: and nice. Then, and then Joel Bell wrote, I'm hiding all your chords, but he spelled chords like a guitar chord. Okay. Because, I mean, because I mean. we were having a conversation at the show we played with them where he came up and said something about, hey, I don't have any guitar chords. I don't know where they are. Can I borrow yours, 13-year-old?
1: <laughs> yeah,
11: yeah, 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 yeah. That's, <laughs> sure, buddy. What no problem.
1: You? <laughs> oh, well, course. I mean... That sort of tracks because, uh, you know, looking through this, the lyrics booklet, um, there are uh, some spelling mistakes, but we, we will get there. <laughs> no, um, there
11: are, not, not anymore. Anyways. Um,
1: oh, the point, okay. Interesting.
11: The point, the point is these posters are like laminated and they're important to me. They're a uh-huh. very yes. significant part of my life as is the Songs from the Penalty Box poster uh, that I have here. Like These are just like, there's only, a, there's only a few posters that I really want to hang on to from that era that I'm like, yeah, that uh, puts me in a safe place in my bedroom.
3: Yeah. Immediately so
1: that. that Songs from the Penalty Box poster, that is the where our artwork comes from the season? Is that, <laughs> that, that, that same exact poster?
11: <laughs> um, the yeah, one. actually it is. Hey, if you, you, you oh, guys shit. look different there. Andrew, it's you, you got a nose job? That's true. <laughs> John
2: got a nose job? You I'm know, just... you
1: the, people always say I have a face for podcasting.
2: Hmm. <laughs> Fake news. Um, um, so just a couple of pieces of context about the album before we get into it, which we should. Uh, possibly released on August 30th, 1996 on Tooth & Nail. <laughs> Debated, perhaps. Uh, I would say it's interesting that you... Say this about the way that it sounds, Andrew, because as a kid, I was not noticing at all that Banana Man sounded any different from this. You're right now that I'm listening. Get ready, bro. What I will say is, regardless of the the audio quality, I would say they're not as polished instrumentally and vocally on this record as they are in Banana Man. Um, but we'll get there. I mean, I, it was produced by Kevin131, who also produced Banana Man and Songs We Didn't Write and Rest in Peace. So, like, pretty much all the records. Uh, also produced by the band, which I assume is what uh, Jamie was referencing. Mastered by Brian Gardner, who's done most of the bands that we've covered this season. Recorded at Oz Studios in Baltimore. So
1: um, we we need to mention um, Drew Mazurik. He's mm-hmm. the the person who essentially did the recording. So uh, he he did some other at that point. He was doing. Uh, like jaw that was like like his like in one of the bands that he was working with okay. um so like other sort of east coast sort of hardcore punk but i think we need to get into sumo surprise let's do, let's it. do it are we ready ready let's, baby. Ju- let's juggle some bodies bros <laughs> oh shit
2: In your top three,
11: bro? Great tone, man. Just love that tone. It's my number it's three.
2: Tone. Okay. Not in mine. Whew. Did you do a top three, Jason? Uh
11: huh. All
2: right. Yeah. Not in either bars.
11: It's so good. It's so marble mouthed at the beginning. I have
2: no idea what he is saying <laughs> at that all. Is true sometimes on this album. Yes. <laughs>
11: uh, <laughs> Cannot get along. Oh, <laughs> I, I, all right. Yeah. Um, I also love that this is the first introduction that I have in pop punk music to the four-part harmony not yes two-part harmony not the standard like here's the bass melody and here's the fifth but there's like an elo style or that moment in yeah. the Fro- frozen two where christoph <laughs> says you are mine and, the, and christoph's like you know lost in the Woods song you uh, know what I, i'm talking I about definitely
2: know what you're talking about yes <laughs> 16
11: 16 reindeer are singing with him
2: you so when are they, mine, you right. are mine. Yeah, when great. I heard that
11: the first time that I, the first time I heard that on Frozen Two, I was like, I wonder, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, totally,
2: hundred percent. Someone do that mashup, please.
11: Yeah, it's amazing. So I, I've never, I'd never heard that on a punk song before. Green Day, Rancid, all the stuff I was listening to had maybe a harmony. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was sometimes a, a little like I was listening to stuck with me on Insomniac today. And I mm. was like, "Oh, that's an interesting harmony on the chorus." Like, uh, but it didn't match this because this was multiple harmonies working into just. And they did that a lot. They would all yeah. harmonize. Conrad, Christian, Joel, and Jamie would all sing in unison for a chorus.
2: Yeah, I feel like it's it's very the song is very indicative of their style in the sense that like those harmonies are really a central piece of it. I would say vocally, maybe some of them are not not quite there, but I like that they are happening. Um, I really like the little I wonder I wonder like the background vocal that comes in and the bridge Um, but yeah the whole song just kind of like skirts that line between the harder skate punk elements and the cheerier pop punk elements that they always were sort of uh, going between in a a really successful way I think
11: Yeah, most of the record is in C major too Mm
2: -hmm. interesting (laughs) it's great that little pause in the chorus is wonderful
1: it's great
11: and he's essentially singing a verse that is fully harmonized he has a second harmony over his normal singing of a lyric and a verse
1: yeah Yeah, but you guys hate the song so whatever
11: (laughs) the song rules and i also like I also love the moment I put it in my CD player and I was just learning guitar, just barely learning guitar, like Santa Monica by Everclear was like, and then, <laughs> but I immediately could figure this song out.
2: Yeah. Right. Like, this so is
11: straight up easy to play. Okay, good. Yeah,
1: but just like it, it starts off with it's as far as, uh, those original early nineties, mid nineties tooth and nail albums, like, it has this, like, iconic, you're just like, you're from the, from second one, you're ready. You yeah. are. Yeah. You're just like, you're just like, you're <laughs> you're know. in. You're just right. like, oh, shit, this is, they We're don't, they somewhere. don't, there's, there's no build. They're just like, it starts off with. <sighs> I know. Yeah.
11: And it's all like, they didn't harmonize that first C chord. They all played the C chord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like right. when two guitars are playing the exact same sequel.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's
11: pointless, but it's awesome. <laughs> right. Yes. So um, what do you guys
1: think about the lyrically just sort of like this uh um so this is a essentially a Joel song. Um I I sort of take it about it's about a re, relationships and like trying to find a, you know somebody and he says um uh if i go ahead and try to find her by myself i'll make a mistake when will i learn this big decision is not mine to fully make so this sort of like idea of a that god has a person for you does this something that you guys uh bought into when you were that age or is this something that you think of now with your current and i don't mean current as in like your wives that you have right now for now you know but like is this like is this how do you how do you think about this concept as married men and as p as as christian men
2: i mean i i guess i took the song growing up to mean less like God show me the one woman you have for me and more like I should trust in God with my relationships sort of. And I got a little bit of a vibe of like, I shouldn't have relationships with girls that aren't like rooted in God. I guess that's kind of how I thought of it. I don't know if that's exactly what it means or not, but I
11: think I've told you guys that I'm like this, like ultra seven Enneagram on steroids with like, (laughs) That makes my, sense. my optimism and my sense of adventure about the world yes and so this case sera, sera i am powerless anyways mm. why worry about what happens with girls like it's gonna happen it's gonna work out or it won't who gives a shit that was always <laughs> like in the eighth grade it was like oh that's all the that's all the uh relationship advice i need right now in in eighth grade like i'm fine i'll be yeah. all right let it happen, let it not happen. Uh, I'll just this decision is not mine to fully make.
1: You so <laughs> you, while while you were body juggler, I was <laughs> I was GSF. did it have to be so mean to me i was just like you were the seven i was the four who was just like no one understands man (laughs) yeah Yeah.
11: And, and then so if a girl would break up with me or whatever like would stop talking to me in the seventh or eighth grade i'd be like i wonder why that happened but i'm looking over here now and there's a little other <laughs> cool stuff over here
2: yeah i Look wish i could have been i was more not like that.
11: i was not forlorn i was not um what's the word crestfallen it wasn't it just mm. that's what this song was for me things sure. gonna be all right for better yeah. for worse by slick shoes it's my anthem my dad died at 14 my anthem yeah. is for better or worse everything's gonna be okay
1: yeah i like that the i mean you're sort of the embodiment of of every punk song that's ever been written everything's <laughs> going to be all right that's right
11: yeah and i had songs literally like that like multiple songs in right. my in
1: our repertoire it's
11: like everything will work out right <laughs> okay there it is
1: so uh jason this is something that i've i've brought up on the pod um, numerous times and it it was something that john admittedly said in the like it wasn't something that he was super aware of until I brought it up that pretty much every punk band that has ever existed has a song about how everything's going to be. All right. Um, would you, would you co-sign that, that, uh, that concept? Yeah.
2: At yeah. least like pop punk adjacent bands.
11: Oh yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. I don't I'd know if the that's... Misfits had like and everything's gonna be okay song, but
11: no. Every band has at least one line in one of their songs where that is espoused that idea. Yeah. Either believing it or saying it sarcastically, they're still saying it.
2: Mm. Yeah. Fair. Yeah.
1: All right. So uh, after ten minutes of the first song, should we move on to uh, move on to Seasons, bros? Do it. <laughs> oh shit. Oh god. Put it in my body.
0: The so
1: It's it's my fucking number one.
2: Oh All yeah, right. of course. <laughs> it's my number three.
11: <laughs> Get out of here, Get the Potter! Fuck
4: out of Get here, what Potter! Is this Get this the is fuck
11: terrible. Fuck you call out this an ad, Like you call terrible, this a track by track awful this?
1: take? This Jesus is. Christ! Yes. How is this not your number one? Oh, did John actually leave? <laughs> no, I just stopped my video because I was mad at you guys.
2: <laughs> Oh my um, God. we're
11: on our own the rest of the podcast That's all it.
1: right uh, this is magnified pod with andrew and jason mm-hmm. hey it'd probably be better um Ooh, no. This, uh, oh no broke
2: <laughs> it's in my top name three a,
1: name a more iconic duo
2: <laughs> i'll wait <laughs> um i do think this is maybe the like most classic goatee hook song on the record probably the most well-known so i feel like It has to be in your top three. There's just a a couple songs that shred a little harder, and that's more Johnny's Lane. So there's a song that
1: shreds more than this. Oh, my God. Oh, my
2: God. It is pretty great
11: i can still play it in my sleep
2: <laughs>
1: yeah
11: <It's> <laughs> the <laughs> first <laughs> guitar solo i learned you know it was like the first thing i like i have to figure that out the
2: fucking
1: rules
2: yeah it's a great little solo i feel like that central riff is so i mean it's it's an iconic song there's i love this i I feel like this should have been the single so like oh, yeah. i'm a little confused that like shrinky dinks or
1: mm.
2: even scared of i seem to be more of the push i guess but I don't know. It's a great it song.
11: So good, and it's just uh, every time I would see them. So, like I said, around ten times I saw them. Every time they would cut out, and Joel would sing. It was a song. Uh, every time he would do it different. He would do it mm. in accents. He would scream it at the top of his lungs, <laughs> like you <laughs> know cool. how you know how when he screams at the end of um, "Never," like that yelling. Yes, I, I do. Yes. Uh he did that for seasons and I still can hear it like and watch him doing it in my mind's eye going, "What? So soft." Summer cool.
2: Oh man. So oh, I really wish I could see them. Uh god. <clears throat> yeah, um, it's
11: just uh, it's an amazing song and it's great and it's the best.
2: I feel like it has that also that that kind of classic catchy hook thing I was saying earlier of sort of being taken aback at the like emotional heft of some of the things that he's talking about given the silliness of other songs. Like I remember being struck as a kid that it goes back and forth between these more emotionally fraught songs and funny ones, and using like seasons as a metaphor for the course of a relationship, and then like redemption—that really stuck with me as a kid. I really remembered this one among among like the top songs of theirs. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think for a young kid, this is a uh, a pretty profound and well written song. Uh, because it 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 tracks it it's it's you have um you you have the seasons and you you sort of you can follow along like it makes sense as opposed to uh you know when we earlier in the season we were talking about some of the slick shoes lyrics were like oh we're we're changing who who's the focus right now (laughs) are we talking about like we're talking who's the narrator are we talking about themselves are we talking about another person right now i'm not sure who we're talking about yeah, right but this, this is, is like so like, easy it's, it's really... like but this is just like so here's here it is here are the seasons and this is the this is very linear and it makes sense and yeah. i it's like very it's very well written for for like if you look at some of the shit i wrote when i was that age I'm just...
11: yeah it's a really clean metaphor of the prodigal son it's easy super <laughs> super it works, super safe. Yes.
1: It yeah. works.
2: Um, um, South you know what else Street? works? Yeah.
1: Oh, shit. Oof. my number one okay so the drums on this song are fucking out of control yeah adam just tears it up beyond belief on this song
2: i mean tell us about it
1: john tell us tell us why this is your number one obviously i
2: I wish I could do the rest of the podcast with you guys, but I ripped my arms off in the pit and I threw them <laughs> up on stage. Uh, the song absolutely rules i I always liked that they had these thrashier elements again. like he's they're not afraid to do these very harmony driven uh, cheery pop pump songs and then go completely into something as like hardcore adjacent as this. Um, I really like his voice on the song. I think you, you know, he generally nice sounding voice but the yelly joel i'm, I'm fully here for um so you get I some love, of that territory
1: i love joel's voice it's
2: got a great voice
1: i don't i it's it is it is not it's 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 hard to compare his voice to a contemporary like can yeah. you guys can you guys think of a voice that joel's voice sounds like in terms of like a contemporary pop punk or other punk band of The
11: only one that comes to mind is like the real friends singer, a little bit. Hmm. You
1: know what I mean? I mean I mean, like that that that's but nobody nobody who listens to real friends has ever heard of Goody Hook. Not even like a little, not even a little bit.
11: It's an accidental happenstantial comparison, but but his voice is
1: so unique. yeah, 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 it
2: really is. He can do a lot of different things, and and I feel like he almost always pulls all of them off. Um, I mean that the opening riff is great on its own and building a song around that. But then by yeah. the time of the the shreddy guitar part and the chorus, the whoa whoa vocals on top of it, like yeah. you said, the the drums, the double time riffing that comes in with the like drums at the end of the chorus. I mean it's just, yeah, it's such a by the time of the like I just cannot resist. It's it's so my number one.
11: This this constitutes where there was the split in the band. Where mm-hmm. Christian and Conrad, as pop punk songwriters, were writing silly, fun, energetic, happy, major key stuff. This Mm -hmm. song has a chord change in the pre chorus. Yeah. Like, or a a key change in the pre chorus. Like when they're doing I Should Have Walked Away, it's it's in a different key entirely than the rest of the song. And uh, this was Goaty Hooks, meaning Joel and Jamie and Adam's favorite song to play live. I Mm. never once saw them play without them playing this song I many times saw my favorite Sumo Surprise song not get played and I'd be like Mm. why did you guys play Shrinky Dinks or whatever season you didn't play that and they're like we didn't feel like it but there was like toward the end they didn't want to play anything off of Sumo Surprise like at all and they still wanted to play South Capitol Street so you could tell when Conrad left the band there was this movement towards um Oh, like we can write, we can write more interesting stuff than C to G to A to F. Like, you know?
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely love everything about it. I feel like lyrically, a lot of the bands we've covered this season also have a version of the song, which is essentially like struggling with lust. You know, he, he says, I pray and ask for help, but then walk down that cursed road or one waits with what I crave and my lusting hunger grows. Like the whole idea of like, I don't want to act this way, but I can't help myself and I feel shame. And it's usually around lust with the bands who cover the season. See,
11: I always took this as a metaphor for like morbid obesity and wanting to just go to a fast food restaurant
2: <laughs> at like 1130 at night. <laughs> I could, I mean, sure. General lust I mean, for, you're, for anything. You're,
1: you're on a, you're in a band on the road, and you're driving by. You're like, guys, come on,
11: Taco Bell tonight? No, Taco you should have walked, walked
1: away. You, you got
2: to. <laughs> maybe that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, because Taco Bell or whatever could be on South Capitol Street, which is my question. I mean, it's a major street in DC, but I'm like, did something specific happen there? Oh, uh,
1: like, is, is he like, talking food. about prostitution?
11: No, no, no. There's a fast food place there.
2: He just, I mean that yeah, there could. He, I'm was, sure hu- some he was
11: hungry, and he keeps going back.
2: Yeah, I, for
11: the I, I, double-decker taco I, and the cinnamon twists. He's,
1: he I, wanted. I to, he wanted him. to get those. He wanted to get those cheesy potatoes. I um, think you're yeah.
11: overthinking it, bro.
1: Yeah,
2: well, it could <laughs> I mean, be. definitely,
1: I'd... definitely. As a Christian band talking about lusting for things, there's definitely no other uh, other like, bands,
11: guys. If you think about it. Uh-huh. This whole entire album is a metaphor for uh, overeating. It's, look at the chart, look at the cover. Yeah, look at yeah. the like struggle at the early part of the album, and then giving way at the end with dry run to just full on. <laughs> well,
1: that's well, true. You got to think also. Know? Gobbles the overlord mm-hmm. talking about gobbling up all that food. I mean, all coming together. It's Guys, all coming this, together. This is all we've, we've cracked this wide open.
11: <laughs> got um, a, got the box open. Remember when Christian music only talked about overeating <laughs> and the struggles yeah. we all went through eating bad junk food oh, before we knew about Whole Foods in that era?
1: Could be. Um, uh, so let's uh, before we get into a fight with each other, let's uh have Ukla give him the fight with Lou Freig now. Um, got a shout out our boy David Robledo. Um, is he
2: goes by the handle Ukla on the Discord, yeah, right?
1: He goes, yeah, goes by, yeah, it goes by Ukla. Um another early goody hook classic. Yeah, Goody hook classic for sure. Um yeah, it's it's uh Ukulele the punk and track boy to me are kind of um in in a in a similar vein of like should have been buried at the end of the album <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't. That, I don't dislike. I don't dislike Ukla or Trackboy. Um, I, I,
11: I don't think I ever listened to them both all the way through when I'd play through the CD. Oh. I think I'd be like,
1: and eh, skip that one. <laughs> I mean, I, there are other songs that I I skip before Ukla or Trackboy.
2: I I like Ukla a lot. It's silly. It's fun. It's weird. It's very, very catchy. Weird. I cannot resist the like ooh <laughs> the silly books <vocal laughs> on the
1: drinking that he's thinking, oh
2: I like when I it's just the.
1: He, he does sound
11: like he does sound like the guy in Bewitched, doesn't he?
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, here he is. Um, <laughs> but uh I like the verse with just the the bass and the drums. I think that's cool. But yeah, I mean, like lyrically, Andrew, I think you're right. I mean, he it definitely reads like a story of a sinner written by a Christian. You know what I mean? Where it's yes. like basically about like a punk who's an asshole, but he like longs for salvation and then he goes to a revival and buys a bible (laughs) and then starts saying i want to be saved by you and i want to be your friend too which like again it's all kind of silly but like i don't know it is a little like patronizing to be like i'll make this caricature of like a punk who's like i want to be saved like you (laughs) i don't know it just feels a little easy but maybe they're not going for (laughs) profound (laughs) metaphor on this one so this is
11: definitely 100 percent a conrad written
2: yeah okay
11: gotta
1: be yeah words by uh words by goatee hook music by conrad all
2: right there you go um
1: it says uh ukla the punk went to a revival ukla the punk bought himself a new bible he reads it every day it says yippee uh now we're at the end of story on a one-way trip to glory now everything is hunky-dory yeah all you have to do is be a christian and everything goes your way hey, it's guys, obviously worked, a
11: little like worked out for me
2: it's obviously a little like tongue in cheek but i do feel like and it's the kind of thing that as a kid i didn't pretty
1: simplistic
2: yeah but like you're right by the time we get to like track boy this the sort of stuff that as a kid i sort of excused i'm like interrogating a little further now and i'm like am i cool with this i'm not sure so i don't know speaking of which track boy
1: track boy uh i have i don't know i might have a controversial opinion on this song Mm. Mm.
2: In my song. Wait a second.
1: song rules (laughs) it's so problematic in so many ways but god this
11: song (laughs) rules. the thing about it is it is honestly the first representation of that true east coast version of punk rock like Hmm. this is indiscernible from the huntingtons is indiscernible from the ramones this like sort of mid-Atlantic up into New York, Manhattan yeah. style of punk, 70s punk, where everything just did that, like New York Dolls right. and everything like that. Like all these bands. And that kind of beat like did not happen on the West Coast. Like the yeah. West Coast fat Wreck bands, unless like it, it was in Chicago with the queers and you know Riverdales and that kind of scene and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but in Screeching Weasel, but you really, really felt it. This is like an East Coast band when you heard yeah. this song. Every other yeah. song so far you're like that could like double as like a you know like maybe an Orange County hardcore song for South Capital or Season mm-hmm. sounds like Blink-182 uh, damn it etc but yeah. this one is like yo this and if i watched Go to Hick play Track Boy and then Huntington's got on stage and played Track Boy i could not tell them apart
2: <laughs> Yeah that's a, that's a great point I mean I, I love the sound of it and i don't even i don't know this was like a potential box contender for me just like the whole idea of tracts and unpacking them but i think
1: maybe when i was should we open up the box for a second uh, yeah Uh, you want
11: to go ahead let's do it i feel like
1: i feel like if if we're if we're gonna open up the box for any band it's gonna be the band (laughs) that we're that gave us the name so let's Let's open up the the box this one's called the box john go for it um,
2: I just think that when I was growing up, I maybe wanted to give it a generous read. Like maybe he's saying this isn't an effective way to evangelize because she's literally saying no and asking him to leave her alone <laughs> in the lyrics. So like, I guess I took it at the time as like, you know, <laughs> we should maybe take our cues from someone saying that and and using this as a model to be like sort of ironic and like don't be like this but then you know with the bridge can't you see your soul means something to me happy you can be take the gift that he has here for free that seems pretty much like he's the hero and she's the antagonist yeah and i just also did he actually give out tracks like did he really think that was effective i don't know tracks just seems like such a like old school bizarre this thing a, this
1: is this is a words music and vocals by jamie song fascinating so, um I saw her there walking on the street. I said, "Excuse me, there's someone you ought to meet." Uh, she came up to me. What well, you have to say? I said, "Jesus," and she turned to walk away. So that should be the end of the song because. Uh, <laughs> so I left I ch- her alone. I chased her down. It's like, don't no, don't <laughs> right. do that. She said, "So this is this is about the song about boundaries, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, you 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 go up to somebody. He's like, hey, what's up?" And I want to tell you something. And she says, okay, what's up? And I say, I want to talk about Jesus. Jesus. Says, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, so uh, uh, Jason, if I remember correctly, you have told me a story uh, about your job where a guy was trying to proselytize to you, somebody who already- uh, Yeah, this just
11: happened in Dallas to me like four months ago.
1: Yeah, you you were telling me about, like you were at Walmart doing your job. And this guy's like, trying to tell you about jesus and you're like no no i, I i'm already on board and yeah. but he like wouldn't give up yeah and so so can, can you tell me tell that story because i just like when i was listening to the song i couldn't help but think about it's like even christians are like no no don't talk to me about jesus <laughs> i'm good like nobody nobody's like wants to have somebody right. run up to them on the street or in public and start talking to them about Jesus, even people who love Jesus.
11: Right. I mean, he just immediately is like, I wanna tell you about the gift of Jesus. And I'm like, I'm very familiar with Jesus. Jesus and I are cool, man. Still to this day, love Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 but you don't understand. Like, I need to tell you about him so that you can experience the gift that he's given me. I'm like, so you wanting to share your testimony? No, I wanna find out where you're at with it. I wanna know what you, like. Well, like I said, feel, feel great. Jesus and I got a great relationship. Everything's fine there in that department. It's like, no, no, no. But you don't understand, man, Jesus. <laughs> right. And I'm like, and I stopped him and I said, brother, like, what's your goal here? What are you hoping to get out of this interaction with me right now? I just want you to feel the love of Jesus. And I said, you know what you could really do for me? I have this specific issue that I could use prayer for. And I don't feel comfortable in a public setting having you do that for me right now in front of my coworkers at this work environment. I would love it if you would go home, take my name, take the person I need prayer for his name and really think about it. Spend that time that you get to have with God in your quiet time tonight, talking to him about our interaction today. Can you do that for me? And he just, his mind had that like, oh wait. Mm. Oh wait, yeah, I could do this differently kind of moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it it was like, this is one part, like your sort of like excuse to practice social and like public speaking and some sort of like, and the guy that he was with, I immediately latched onto him because he was also in a missionary type of the Christian missionaries who are going out into parking lots, looking for people who are lost are a little different than Mormon missionaries. Let's be honest with you. Um, the second guy was just definitely just trying to like figure out where he stood on this whole thing. Like, why are we doing this? Mm, I'm, I'm, I'm 24, 25 years old. Is this the right way to be approaching people? Right. You know? Um, I, I thought it was a beautiful interaction between this guy and I, and a, like a good learning moment, a good teaching moment. Like, yeah. you're, not, you're not getting there, brother. I know what you want. I know that yeah. you feel this like burning bosom feeling and you just can't wait to tell, anyone and everyone about it but like stop and listen
2: yeah Yeah. or he feels like that's what he's supposed to do
1: yeah and see that's that's listening is the key here because if somebody says no i'm good right and then you keep chasing them or in your situation they keep saying no you don't understand right it's like no 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 you don't understand Listen to what I'm saying either. No, I don't want to talk about Jesus or no, I, my, my relationship is good. I'm good. Yeah. And I
11: don't feel comfortable with the, like the premise is what I disagree with here. (laughs) Yes, You approaching me in this work setting with this guy I'm working with, who I'm just meeting, who's a president of my company. Uh, and he's watching me having to like size up how I'm going to disfuse the situation. Cause he yeah. doesn't want to have to do it. And right. I am just socially, you know, have the graces to be able to flip that script enough and say, Hey, well-intentioned my friend, however, wrong audience, yeah. wrong time.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I admire your patience in that situation because uh i too uh love jesus and and would be interested to talk to people about jesus but not in some guy screaming at me on the street about jesus and <laughs> we have no idea if this woman character in the song she may already have a strong faith as well and just may not want to talk to this guy you know what i mean <laughs> so it's like yeah it, it just kind of gets back to the whole um it's in god's book but he don't want to look attitude of it all of right. the like who's to say she's not happy already like there have been a lot of songs yeah, like this, is, this about proselytizing the season. Value
1: pack, you know, just like going down the street, seeing all right. the like the blank blank eyes faces, and, you know, right. faces. all this the people- is
11: this also speaks directly to their being an urban environment band as opposed to a suburban environment.
2: Yeah, band. that's interesting.
11: Walking right. to the subway station in Washington, d c, and most likely seeing this type of interaction, you know, the end is near sign holders with tracks in their back pockets. just handing like people on their way to work at the Capitol all the time as you've been to Washington, DC, or even if you've been to like downtown Chicago and seen that stuff go down when you're a suburban kid and youth group far removed from that, it seems like kind of like a, a fairy tale that that would ever happen. And it seems like he's just anecdotally presenting this non real scenario. But I think it also speaks to like, maybe Gody hook had a, a different life experience than I did. So maybe yeah. they were just trying to relay something that they saw in interaction and trying to, I guess, yeah. deconstruct it on their own through these lyrics. Like, was yeah. this good? Was this bad? I don't know. It happened. Just like I saw the guy like singing Sam cook in the subway station. I could write a song about that too. In fact, yeah. I probably will, you
1: know, <laughs> yeah, this could be, this could be a slice uh, of life thing. This could be like a step removed. This could be right. Jamie, writing about an observation rather than a, uh, a declaration of what he feels like is a way of, of going about proselytizing right but yeah. there's or, but it's, yeah. the, the thing is that it's the lyrics aren't clear enough to like make that sort of a judgment yeah
2: yeah and if you wanted to keep up the generous read, you could say that him being like, can't you see your soul means something to me is him sort of wrestling with whether he did the right thing or not. You know what I mean? Like him being like, this is the thing that happened. And like, I want to convey that these people are important to me. I don't know. But again, that's probably more,
1: that's pretty thought. generous.
2: It is pretty yeah. generous. Yeah. Take um, the
1: gift that he has here for free. Like yeah. it literally costs you nothing. What's the problem here.
2: Right. I'm choosing I'm, you. I'm down. yelling at you. <laughs> are not yelling loud. I am. Um it does yeah. feel a little infomercially. I chased her down
1: beside her on the street
2: <laughs> right he's he's but talking about left, the lord. You leave me be. <laughs> he's talking about the lord like a laser lure he's uh <laughs> yeah yeah
1: he's just like he's like hey, let me tell you You would have
11: stuff. to be stupid not to buy this that's who you are, and if you're stupid, I don't got time for
2: use.
1: hey hey, don't walk away <laughs> hey, um I'm talking to you over
2: All right. Well, I think we can close up the box. Uh, Yeah, I I
11: close up the box, but I do want to say I spent 20 years trying to track down this seven inch Uh. of them playing this album live on a one song live bad recording looking everywhere for it. And this was one of those rare things that like nobody had good artwork of it. It was a bad scan. It showed up on Discogs one day that somebody owned it and it was like really badly scanned artwork that they had. And uh, I was like, Oh my gosh. And, and it was one of those rare situations where you're like, okay, four people have this in the universe. I've got to ask each one of them if they'll sell it to me, you know, cause mm. it had Huntington's as well. It was a seven inch with Huntington's and go hook. And even cool. when I saw them in 97, like this was not something they talked about having or having ever put out, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and then I think it was, I don't remember what record it was that I was working on somebody from burnt toast vinyl the guy who created burnt toast vinyl who put out the original seven inch he and i came into like interface with one another uh, on a project and i said hey his name's scott hatch everybody calls him Hatchy. i said hey Hatchy, what's up with the goatee hook thing do you have any copies of that left and he's like yeah i do i have like 50 and i said you have 50 he's <laughs> like yeah i have 50 copies they're in my closet i'm like well uh Hook a brother up, man. He's like, I don't think I can. I'm like, why not? Because I I never made jackets for them. We made like, you know, 500 of them, but I only made jackets for 450 of them. So this thing has been sitting as a 20 year old seven inch with track boy on it in my closet for this long. And I said, just let me redesign the cover. It'll make it look as close to the original as possible, but it'll look not like a cheap Discog scan. Let me like redo it a little bit and we'll release it To like 50, there's got to be 50 people out there who would want this thing for like 10 bucks and just Mm -hmm. donate all the money to a charity. And he had found like a battered women's shelter in Philadelphia. And he's just like, okay, we'll just take, you know, 50 records times 10 bucks is 500 bucks. We'll just donate that all 100% to the women's shelter. And we'll only keep the money that it took to Xerox 50 new covers that. Bruno and I designed for unoriginal vinyl, so it was like, finally, I get to own this record. It's the original record that I've always That's wanted awesome. to own. But oh, playing a role in like putting it out was really super fun.
2: That's so cool, man. Into
1: it. Okay. Into it. The box um, is closed. Box is closed. This one, this one was called the box. Food lion. Yes. Um uh are you guys scared (laughs) am i am
2: i yes best good bass tone
1: yeah i'm loving these octaves Pregnant girl. Yeah, this
2: is the one that I was saying is abortion adjacent, but I appreciate that it's never explicitly brought up, although it sort of looms over the song, I guess. I don't know. At least that's how I read it. Like, I mean, it's kind of complicated. Like, it's about this presumably young woman who's pregnant and doesn't know what to do. She's crying outside while it's raining and thunder comes to her. It's God's voice telling her things will be okay. Like, I think it takes her and her situation seriously without putting in like an on-the-nose moral, um, like, well, things will be okay if you don't get an abortion. It never does that. You know what I mean? It's just like, she's she doesn't know what to do. And I appreciate that it's sort of like, what happens is that God shows up and comforts her to tell her everything will be okay. And that's it. And you sort of respect that story on its own. I don't know. But to me, it sort of reads like, Will she, I could see someone saying it's about someone considering whether she should have an abortion and God comes to her and is like, you shouldn't, you know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but not, not, that's not, it's not explicitly said. No, But but the part that like I take away from it is the fact that this is her situation and she says, am I alone now? Am I disowned now? Mm -hmm. Those are her... (laughs) her realities that she's afraid of yeah like that's her community like well, if, it's if she's... her
2: family right
1: right well that that's the thing It's like so her fear is being disowned and not embraced and like cared for and so yeah. she's in a situation where she feels like she needs to drive around in this in a storm because she doesn't know what to do because she's not in a situation where people feel like uh that this she feels like she would be supported or cared for or understood. And it's like, that to me is the most damning part. Mm.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think it's powerful the way that as a representation of God showing up for someone in a moment of crisis, I do think it's a really powerful kind of moment. And and all that happens in the song is God shows up to comfort her and that's kind of enough. Um, I don't know. I, this is another one that like, I f- remember being like taken aback by as a kid where I'm just like, wow, this is heavy. There's like a lot happening here. Um, and I don't know like, musically I think it's fine. Like it's not one of my favorites, but I, I do enjoy it. I feel like this was kind of pushed as, as one of the songs, right? This was the one that was on the split sampler with value pack besides Shrinky Dinks, I think. Um, so it seems like one that they were excited about pushing. Um, I do like that bridge. is pretty raucous. Yeah, yeah, the bridge fun. is cool. Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I just appreciate kind of like not to not to you know uh, to bag on Dogwood over and over, but like <laughs> they were a band that wanted to address some of the real stuff that was going on. Like we said when we yeah. had you on, Jason, but and sometimes they did that really well. I feel like. Goaty Hook almost always does it really well, where they have these serious yeah. stories that don't sort of moralize; they just sort of state a story. I don't know, and I, yep. I was always appreciative of that. So,
1: yeah, it, yeah, even with Tract Boy, it, it feels like expository. It's just sort of mm. like it, explaining this is this is the situation. It's not coming to a conclusion necessarily. It's just saying these are the characters, and this is like what's happening. It's not it's not being like, oh, and this this woman that didn't accept Jesus, she's a fucking bitch. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's not coming to that conclusion. Right. It's just being like it's like this is a person like came up to them and this is the story and they didn't accept they didn't want to talk to you. And that's and that's sort of it. And here's this girl and she's pregnant and she doesn't know what to do. And and she feels comforted by the end. It's not like it's not like, you know, you uh, know, stole my right to pray in school like, <laughs> right. like on the Slick Shoes Rio Rusty album You know, it's,
11: it's coolly uh, unbiased it, it just sort of gives you that slice of life I was just talking to Brian Camber about this on his podcast a mm, minute ago yeah. about how Breakfast of Champions by Vonnegut's my favorite book of all time mm. and B- Breakfast of Champions is just a bunch of snapshot slice of life uh, yeah. just little tales of people doing what people do not yeah. saying, hey, this person was clearly in the wrong year when they did this. It's just presenting this, uh, this sort of, here it is. This is what happens. This is yeah. the choices that people make. Not saying one thing or another about it. They just make these choices. Here it is.
2: Right. Yeah, that's a very Vonnegut ethos. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Andrew, the song about uh, a girl being a bitch is the next song. So.
3: <laughs> Yay!
2: Let's do it! Let's listen to some Samson.
1: Is this a song that you would play on bass, John? I didn't, but I should
3: have.
0: <laughs> go to the <laughs> store.
1: Want to hear one part before we discuss?
3: Go on a double
0: date,
11: but you know it turn out that
1: great. Out that great. <laughs> um, if there were a song I would skip on this record, it would be Samson.
2: I feel like that's how I might think about it in theory, but then it starts and it's like, me and Sam, <laughs> which is like, I can't resist this. This is too fun. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like,
11: it's Christian, the bassist singing. Lee yeah, right. He's got a very distinct
2: voice.
1: Muppet style. <laughs>
2: it's very muppet. Absolutely. Very muppety. It's very silly. I like the harmonies. It's a lot of fun at first. I mean, the idea of like walking around town with Samson is just like a funny idea but then you realize it's using Samson and Delilah to deliver another staple of the season, which is like the girls are bad. song. I mean, it literally culminates in them shouting girls are nothing but trouble, which again, like as a kid, I was on board. I found it like pretty innocuous, but I'm like, "Uh, in retrospect, I don't know. Like, I don't know if we need a song.
11: This one doesn't sting, I think. No, you know, no. like I don't know. I can't speak for any woman who might call into this show, but I sure. can't see most of them being like... No, I guess. Uh, never got but over it, that.
1: But it's <laughs> just a simplified... Of course. <laughs> uh, just, like, do we need another example? Like, like is it, there's no real life example of your own uh experiences in the dating world like that you can talk about you need to go to a biblical story (laughs) and and then like come come to the conclusion that girls in in all in in the culmination of your of your point that girls are terrible that (laughs) that is you know but it goes to show you girls nothing but trouble that that it's i feel like they had the joke Right. And then they're like they wrote the song around it.
11: Yeah. We got this punchline, you guys. I just was reading my Bible hey, this morning for
1: youth group. <laughs> you know how hey, girls guys, suck? <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys know how girls are the worst, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You it's guys great. pastor girls,
9: pastor, girls are the worst.
1: Pastor
11: so Mark. Yeah. Pastor Mark just had Wednesday's sermon called Girls are nothing but trouble. Let's <laughs> yeah. do like a whole song.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, the whole thing is fairly innocuous yes, because
11: you, you have to like remember though no, a double T. we're all in the seventh grade at youth group and that like my youth group pastors like big messages for that year were god's big butt sin <laughs> but grace
2: uh that's good you know, like Sketchy. so
11: so there's things like that happening and i'm sure at some point they'll like raging hormones of a bunch of seventh graders being like oh my gosh we're gonna go to the pool this summer with these girls this sounds great <laughs> right, right i'm sure that the youth <laughs> pastors are like uh let's just say girls are trouble and like diffuse that yeah. and then hand them a bunch of pizza and uh you know jolt cola <laughs> uh, and tell uh, yes. and
1: tell all the girls that they need to wear girls, a one they p- just, just don't wear come. a wear one piece and <laughs> don't come to the pool party <laughs> yeah Make oh, sure you fairly, wear one piece, boys and don't are, wear, and don't, boys are and idiots. don't lead our boys, our poor, yes. precious, precious boys down the load, the 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 road of. Because yeah, lust. the converse
11: or the finish line, of the uh, unspoken truth of this song is also like, if girls are trouble, guys are complete dipshits.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah exactly.
11: That's the whole like uh, you know underpinning of the whole thing.
1: Yes. Shrinky Dinks. number two interesting
2: <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i know it's a beloved goatee hook song i mean this was the single i just it wouldn't be my first choice for a single i was kind of finding curious that this was the like song that they chose to push but oh tell me God. tell me more tell me more
1: okay sure um <laughs>
11: oh that yeah 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 okay I'm I mean it starts two. off
1: there it is. Yeah, you're just it. like oh I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready um but all of the 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 woes are outstanding the um um the, the fast the the fast you know chorus is yeah. is up. you know it's it's great but then but then the, ending, the, ending the, the the bridge is is great and the the him just hitting that thing note the whole time yeah,
11: that, thing, yeah
1: the... that part is great that's
11: awesome
1: it's so good i'm with Did you said this I'm is your number that. two
2: yeah okay So I was off base and saying interesting because that I mean, it, it objectively rules there. So,
11: yes, the music it, video is awesome, it establishes a lot of the art design for the album. You can tell they shot the music video and then just took screenshots from the music video and put them into the like vi- uh CD packaging,
2: right? Them you know? sort of like wearing goofy costumes and goofing around. And
1: being but the live the, footage in there is being, cool too, being in a uh Conrad being in a grocery gobbles. Cart- Pushing him yes. through the grocery store, and you know, yeah. they're all just it, it. It looks like they filmed this at Cornerstone. yeah
2: It really does look like Cornerstone, yeah,
11: 100%. And it's just every youth group like Friday night that we would all have when they like, okay, Friday night's camcorder night. Everybody bring your parents' camcorder, <laughs> film your own project. And then right, at the exactly. end of the night, we're all gonna watch it on the projector on the like bed sheet in the back porch.
2: <laughs> it has very much that vibe, yes. Uh, I don't like lyrically, I guess it's, it's kind of a breakup song, right? Or at least it's sort of about things were better yesterday. And I guess that's why it's called Shrinky Dinks, you know, sort of like what you focused on yesterday was better. Like when you played with Shrinky Dinks as a kid, I don't know.
11: No, well, I think I, that's a fully a case of where he's saying we just made up names, like, okay, that the could be. there's no right. reason for it at all.
1: Well, I also like, th- I, I, I like the the chorus yesterday was when we were happy for tomorrow. There is hope, but today is hard and lonely. So it goes. So it's like, I mean, tomorrow could be better, but right now sucks. And that's just like, that's just where I'm at. Like, yeah. Like what's more, what's more real and authentic than just being like, fuck right now. Like tomorrow there, there's, there's some hope in things that could be better, but like, I'm just going to be sad right now. Like, I, I, there's just something that, like, the Enneagram for me is just like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. I'm here for that, like, that, that reality.
2: Yeah. No, I, I like that. It's, did you guys ever have shrinky dinks? (laughs) This was not like, I knew that they existed, but like, it wasn't really something I, they're like little colored drawings that you like bake down to be small, right? That was the idea. Yep. Anyway. i
11: have i have a few and ellie, oh. play- ellie my daughter plays with them all the time okay that's and-, and they cool. are the-, the band shrinky dinks that say pod insiders and five iron frenzy on them <laughs> that rules. they're like clay baked and they were in necklaces so i that's kept- awesome kept them from the original shows i bought them at
2: all right well that that was- I- now i support shrinky dinks let's support that that's cool
1: that is great i'm i john we should do some um Custom shrinky dinks for Patreon
2: ponies. Ooh, I like that. First the pogs, then the shrinky dinks. <laughs> and then the and then spice the, drops.
1: And then those those spice drops. Which this is a song that I very early on in me learning guitar, I was learning this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a
2: very long instrumental <laughs> intro. <laughs> Hot. Turn that travel down.
1: Should we get to? Uh, let's yeah, let's skip ahead. Let's skip ahead to a little God, God, God. Um, that's pretty much the song. <laughs> that's the yeah. song. God, God, God. God, 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 um, uh, God, God uh, sent His Son. Save us from the evil one. Bought by blood, begotten Son. For faith is free and very fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I don't know. I I think it's fine. I think it's fun. I like when they sort of explode into the the double time. Um, you know, the lyrics are <laughs> questionable, but like kind of goes with the whole weird, silly vibe of the whole thing. I don't know.
1: Very youth groupy.
2: Be. Is it, are we to think now maybe I'm overthinking this one as well, but like uh, spice drops, they're spicy gumdrops is the idea that the evil one is spicy. What are, why are we calling it spice drops?
11: This is all just shit they were doing in the studio. Like, yeah, we just got back from seven 11. You want some of these spice? Ooh.
2: <laughs> That'll work.
11: That gives me an idea.
2: I don't know if I know spice drops. Are you guys throwing down on space, spice drops?
11: Uh, they're just gumdrops but they're not gumdrop like a dots candy would be a gumdrop and spice sure. drops These are, are the ones that have no they have uh like hard sugar Mint. on them
2: uh okay okay that's a spice drop all right well we might have to pick up a pack of spice drops and eat them on the pod
1: yeah um Frosted dots. Yeah. now uh a song i have thoughts on <laughs>
2: Another very long
0: opening.
1: <laughs> forest denizens seem to smile.
3: screaming.
0: <laughs> 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 the bridge lot to hear saying
1: This is probably my number four. Wow, fascinating! This song rules in so many ways. <laughs> um, while it is extremely, extremely silly, which I'm here for the cacophonous yelling and screaming at the beginning. I'm I find that just so. I find it really, really funny. Um, it is. Um, a song that's just like condemning money. That's that's the entirety of the song is just like it's like uh, this person that he cares for, at least in the the context of the song. I care for this person. But this person, what they care more about is how much money they make. And uh, and there's a part at the end of the song where in the recording where he laughs and doesn't finish the lyrics
11: I, I know what that lyric is without even looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, so um, I could tell. I could staring tell at that,
1: her, I come you know. to see standing in front of her, she wanted money more. You I could know tell like, that
11: she wanted money more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like she wanted money more than a relationship with him. Like that was the most important thing. And, and like, and so beneath the veneer of this, like, just like comical, um, almost like Elvis.
0: Uh,
1: uh like it's it's every, all of it like the presentation is so goofy but it's just like this person like what they want is stuff and they want money and it's like that's that's a bummer and he's bummed out by that. yeah
2: i wasn't sure whether to take it that way like sort of generally or more like is this another you can't trust girls or just after your money kind of song you know what i mean like
11: no, I think you're I think it's the opposite. Like I think every one of these songs is just a different youth group leader's like modern day parable. And this is the sure. one about greed. And this yeah, is yeah, the, yeah. the greed youth group night, you know.
2: I think that's fair. I and it is funny when he says she held my hand and whispered in my ear, You're the only one for me in my life. Now how much money did you make this year? <laughs> that's funny. Which got
0: be but enough.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. it. I was this is one that I would skip, so I'm interested to wow. hear Andy, that you he resonated oh, with it. Oh
1: man. This <laughs> I love this song. I love there's just so much there's yeah. so much about this song that I love. That sax, sax.
2: Yeah.
11: And the amazing so thing about that is that it's more it's better played and more in tune than any one of the first Supertones <laughs> album songs. <laughs> any one of them. Like he's a better horn player and more apt, and it sounds better than a single one of the songs on the first Supertones album.
2: It's Joel, right, playing sax. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. And impressive. I saw.
11: I mean, we watched him play it live. It was great. That's cool. He brought his sax on tour just to do that.
2: Shoo-ba-da-ba. Yeah, I don't know. Something about that long intro just feels like a hidden track, where I just kind of like, all right, you know. But it's a different vibe. It's a vibe that you're more into, Andrew.
1: I'm so into it, especially the just like the pure, just like as high, like as hard as you can scream. Yeah, yeah.
11: the whole thing is just like the end of the Muppet Show. You know, all of it. There's so much Muppet in this album.
2: Very Muppety. Maybe that's why I loved it so much. Um, another um, kind of yeah, but just time. like,
1: like, uh, she gazed at me with eyes of guile, like n- <laughs> n- never has. Not that- a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> that's of that's not a thing.
2: <laughs> it's Do you mean so- guile like in Street Fighter? Because <laughs> exactly, then maybe
1: exactly. <laughs> oh,
2: At classic guile eyes.
1: That's uh, <laughs> yeah, just like that. That classic. Uh, blonde flat top. you
2: mm-hmm. know It's a good look.
1: It's a good look. Um, another good look. Another good look.
0: I clip the channels on TV and see some on the screen. I know not what I want to be. I'll put my hair on the but you i'll be a big celebrity
1: uh that's <laughs> i mean i don't i i kind of like this song i think it's fine
11: What it does for me is just reminds me of that feeling that the music that I listened to at that time was now running perpendicular to what all my friends were listening to, even from the like punk music perspective. Like they're following the Green Day Offspring track into Ixnay or into uh, what was the record after is Nimrod and stuff like that, you know, Mm -hmm. after Insomniac. And I'm mm. like, I just want to listen to wacky shit singing about <laughs> sumo wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, you know, like That fair. reflected my personality really well in that it was like, I have this little secret that nobody else has where yeah. I listen to really comi- comical stuff that doesn't take itself so seriously. Yeah. Like when Nimrod came out in 97, I was like, oh, Green Day takes themselves really seriously now. Right. They're yeah. writing acoustic songs with like violin string arrangements. <laughs> yeah. And I'm over here talking about, you know, sumo wrestlers. There's no like for me this didn't feel like weird cultural appropriation or anything weird like that. Yeah. It know, just seemed it's like pretty silly. Just seems silly and stupid. Yeah. Like yeah. I saw I that like on TV, fun. I liked it. Okay. <laughs>
2: That's great. Right. No, it's it'd fine. be
11: like me writing a song about being, wanting to be an American ninja warrior right now. That'd be about <laughs> it.
2: Which I think you should do, by the way.
11: it has been done twice already. They're the best songs ever written. I'm just not sharing them with anybody. Okay,
1: fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. um, One day I'll be there fighting for the USA. My whole country rooting for me to save the day. My opponents will fight in fear when they take me on the glorious day when I'm crowned grand champion.
2: (laughs) it has like hot rod energy <laughs>
1: that movie <laughs> yeah it has some hot rod energy for sure oh, I love it yeah this has got some big andy sandberg energy yeah i'm here for it yeah.
11: but again it's also just you know
2: espousing the virtue of overeating <laughs> yes there you go and we're and we're leading up very well then segueing into the next song this yeah, next I mean,
11: this this next song uh, oh wait after, the next next song right this next song is 100% the case where like yeah, you guys still have like three hours left today.
2: <laughs> you got anything in else this,
11: in the studio? Well, we've been kind of working this lick out. We don't have a song around it, but it's just Dennett, Dennett, dan, Dennett. I think we can make that a song.
1: Yeah. I know and, some knock knock jokes. Uh, yeah. So, words and music by Conrad for money, words uh, by Conrad for sumo, super sumo, uh, words of music by Conrad for knock knock. Uh, words and music by conrad for dry run so you're sort of seeing a theme here yeah which Uh, which
11: it's sad that it went away after banana man like right you could really tell that the the seriousness took over and the, the fun and the goofiness and the really just like it's the story of like getting into your 20s and taking yourself really seriously yeah. and you can't have the kind of fun that you would have like ice block sledding on a friday night anymore. right. cuz there's a cool party and there might be a girl there when you're in your 20s. Mm. <laughs> you know? Can't,
1: can't trust her though.
11: and she doesn't want to hear about your knock knock jokes.
1: <laughs> hey, jason. why why are you crying?
3: <laughs> Ooh,
2: scary stories. Another, like, hidden track energy on this one, (laughs) but I was usually like, alright, that's enough. Billy. Uh
1: I mean we gotta get to my favorite part of the song. Oh,
0: Babe, here. <laughs> I gotta whisper the a little something in your ear. Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you one of those jokes. Uh, you know, one of those knock-knock jokes. Oh come on, don't be shy. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you cry.
11: But baby. I, I I take it back. Um, I said that when you get into your twenties, you're not really wanting to like bolster your knock knock jokes out to pick up women. But I'll I'll give you an example of where this went well for me. Okay, okay I'm ready. Knock knock. Who's there? <laughs> Who's there? Baby owl.
2: Baby owl. Who?
11: Baby, I'll see you later tonight at my place.
2: Oh, baby. <laughs> Hop baby. in your car. Ooh, <laughs> this is what it's like when worlds collide um <laughs> yeah I, I mean i is can't joel resist delete, uh... <laughs> is joel the lead singer of pm5k oh, twist um i mean gang folks of the song will make you mad worst song we've ever had like that's that's hard to resist it's, it's pretty fun
1: <laughs> it is but like twist. when it gets to the you can tell this was like like their only take of like I want to you know let me tell you one of those knock knock jokes right, yeah. yeah you you know that the uh, well, producer yeah the producer make you was, cry. producer was like
11: you've got three hours to record this thing and they start and he's like you've got one hour to record this thing
2: <laughs> yeah right <laughs>
11: like, oh, I, did, I didn't want to do this never mind yeah you don't need this to be a 14 song album
2: yeah it, it might be a little too long also in keeping with other uh, albums we've covered this season
1: yeah um 45 minutes is a bit long but uh dry run web
3: crime
1: <laughs> I love it what Silly
2: silly boys. Like, feels like a Cheeses of Nazareth style. It does. Food silly song. Um, you know, speaking of Andy Sandberg, he talks about roasted goose and pickle juice. Not <laughs> not boiled goose. Not boiled but goose. Roasted. Boiled uh, goose. he does like a ska style delivery on the bridge and then I'm like a went three far back into fast punk part. I kinda like that. I don't know. This is another one that I skipped usually. Yeah.
11: I always loved this song. It's my number three for sure. Really? (laughs) Cause it was so fun to play on guitar. Like it was the best guitar song on the record. Cause it was like, it taught me how to play power chords and changing my power chord positions faster and faster. Like you had to move them swiftly to get them around the neck of the guitar. Yeah. And um, I just thought that the ending of this song where he's just rattling off complete (laughs) gibberish and nonsense was the best. Like, just like the idea of thinking of the nastiest food combinations ever and things uh-huh. that would never go together and then or non
1: food combinations. Right, exactly. Right. Onion right. rings, Burger King, winter coats, bars of soap, lava lamps, postage stamps, broken jars, yeah. foreign cars.
2: Maybe I didn't give this song enough credit. That's that's pretty great.
1: <laughs> I think I John, I think I included this in uh in our second season in the quiz.
2: Yes, that does sound familiar. I asked yep.
1: you a question about um, uh, about things that were mentioned in this song.
2: Right, I believe that was when I got right.
1: You did get it right.
11: Um, yeah, yep. I just I always liked this song's uh, sense of humor. The I don't give a shit about what you think about me. I'm gonna write this song anyways. Kind of mentality. It was just like really inspiring to an eighth grader. Yeah, I can see that. Sure.
2: A lot of these songs uh, make sense in that way. Um, Like, I'm never
11: going to be Mike Herrera level cool. I'm never going to write a song or need to write a song about, like, having to choose between two girls who like me. Uh It's just not going to be in my, you know, that's not in the cards for me. But what I can write about is... Onion rings and Burger King. <laughs>
2: exactly. There
11: you go. <laughs> Off of South Capitol Street, whether or not I should have walked away from it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And now your whole fast food theme comes to uh, completion here. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I. We've only we have one more song. I haven't said my number two, so you can put those together. Uh, the only song that all three of us had in our top three was Seasons, which which makes sense, I guess. If you would guess which one it would be, it'd be that one, but uh I'm here comes a little,
1: my i'm, I'm a little surprised that's my number two uh never
2: you're surprised because this rules so hard
1: I if i could still play this like
2: yeah you can Oof. come on baby where are we going would you guys like to join me in the pit
1: Why I don't always have a pair of drumsticks every time we're recording?
2: <laughs> you should, man. <laughs>
1: should. But like, I also end up hitting the microphone more often than, Fair. than I, have, I do I when I'm a- air. A- that I'm, when I'm air drumming, I have, I have Yuri's actual drumsticks. Oh right well, look at you fucking look at me. I'm Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. Well, you your... yeah. Well, you know what? My my girlfriend gave me these drumsticks and drum pads, so. Wow. Suck it.
2: Um, right, I have I a base even, in the laundry room. Should I get that?
11: I don't even have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs>
2: just yeah, a you boring have, old spouse. You
1: have a boring wife and children and a happy life, and you live with somebody. <laughs> oh, my God. What a Ugh, loser. It's the worst. Um, I, speak- I, told,
11: I told you guys last week I couldn't record this because I had just literally lost a friend to a car accident. My yeah. Days wow. Days, yeah. The day before, and I didn't have it in me to, like totally unpack this song quite frankly. yeah
2: absolutely I mean it's
1: yeah here's we, what I'll we, say yeah sorry you know we I just we didn't share that with anybody we didn't want we didn't feel like it was anybody's business to talk about any of that but you know it's you know no we, I'm,
11: I'm good to talk about it I think it's good actually this is a good way to confront it a little bit for me okay
2: yeah I mean I was just gonna say musically, like I always have have loved this one. It's such a memorable riff. The chorus is super catchy. I love Yelly Joel, as we talked about earlier in the end. The metally guitars throughout. There's like a metal style breakdown at the bridge that I think we should hear. But then we'll move on to some thematics. But yeah, like 135. There's that breakdown. I mean, this rules.
1: It feels very East Coast hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I just love that.
2: Um, then there's another slowdown and a build back up for the ending. But yeah, I mean, I always, part of me is like, it ends on this incredibly heavy note as you're saying, Jason, but like musically I get why it ends like this. It feels like such a sort of triumphant medley song for me. Um, But obviously, yes, incredibly sad. Lyrically the dad hears his son is in a car accident kind of, I mean, he holds him while he dies. It's very intense. And again, I feel like this is another example of what we were talking about earlier where like, faith is an element in this song but they don't hit you over the head with it there's not like a moralizing it's just faith is just an aspect to this heavy story without sort of an easy ending uh which i was appreciated um but yes i I mean yeah we were so sad to hear about your friend jason and I, i completely understand not wanting to talk about this at the time but yeah if there's i can imagine hearing this now and maybe it might have even different relevance today for you
11: you know when it came out i remember thinking like i was glad that this this didn't feel like it was telling me that i had to have like a certain prescriptive faith to get mm. me through a tragedy like that i think mm. it was like you said telling a story about a guy in the way that he dealt with his tragic son's loss or whatever mm. not telling you like hey you just got to be strong and the Lord's going to be with you and you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. It was more like, this is a shitty life that we live sometimes folks. Mm. There it is. That's how one guy dealt with it. That's what we're talking about right now in this song. It's a heavy way to go out on an album that just got done talking about onion rings and Burger King.
2: <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> you know? Yeah.
2: Do we know but... who did the, the lyrics or music for this one?
1: Um, this was done by uh words and music by conrad all right interesting he contains so he pretty much he pretty much uh closed out the last five yeah, songs he did as yeah, he, far ran, as like, he
11: ran he ran the table <laughs>
1: yeah um, i mean as, as as lyrically so right right uh super sumo was music by joel but lyrically conrad did the last five songs by himself
2: okay sorry i feel like i cut you off earlier jason were you gonna say something
11: no, not at all. I, I just remember um, it came out around the time that my dad died as well. Uh, mm. So I was a young guy, like we had just played with Goaty Hook, and then my dad was in a coma like a month later, and he was in a coma for a month from his body rejecting his bone marrow transplant from having leukemia. Mm. Yeah, and I literally like in that age was I'm not even kidding. Like my parents and not my parents, because my dad was out of commission, but my community of church at that time was like, here's $500, like hitchhike to Cornerstone. Mm. (laughs) And that was the best thing for like 14 year old me to do. And I literally Mm. did. Mm. Um, And from that point on, I was on my own, like just my community became my family, uh, meaning the church community and youth group and music and the bands that I listened to, Five Iron Frenzy and all that stuff. Those were like my role models. The music was my sort of, pastoral therapy that I needed. I did go Mm -hmm. to therapy. I still do go to therapy (laughs) Like has never stopped since that time in my life.
3: Mm
11: -hmm. Uh, But I remember hearing the song and just thinking like, God, that's so heavy and life is like that sometimes. Yeah. And that's okay. Like it didn't bum me out. It didn't make me be like, you know, some people would hear that and really be wrecked by it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Somebody would go through that experience, like a dad would go through that. Especially now as a parent, you're thinking about like your kid, like it terrifies me to this day. Like the moment my daughter is like riding in a car with her friends and I'm not there for her. Yeah. That scares me now. And I'm 10 years away from it still. Right. Looking into the future. Uh, but it's not uh, placating and giving a safe response to the situation. Like, well, God got him through that. God will get you through this too, buddy. It wasn't like that at all. I didn't like songs like that. Right, like sort of desperate, questioning, uh, open-ended kind of songs. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally uh, from, that, from that era. So agreed. I, I like this song. I I think it's good. I just wouldn't choose to probably listen to it very often. <laughs> you sure, know what I mean? right, that's fair. I love to play it on guitar. I thought it was really cool. But yeah, uh, and it's it's
1: interesting. been, interestingly enough. It's, in terms of of plays on Spotify, it's uh, the third most listened to on this record. Hmm. Maybe old Johnny is right.
2: Maybe the song is uh, top three worthy.
1: Yeah, yeah. It goes mean, it goes seasons, shrinky dinks, and then never. Huh. No. Yeah. 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 Somebody.
11: Somebody at work. You know, was talking about my coworker who was killed on his way to work in an accident at 6 30 in the morning, just somebody smashes into him running a red light and smashes into three other people. My buddy's the only one who dies. Oof. And and somebody said to me two days ago, he goes, How am I supposed to make sense of any of that?
3: Mm.
11: What am I supposed to do with that? You know, the guy just threw cases of seven up for a living and now he's gone. Mm. And that was his whole life's everything. How am I supposed to make sense of that? And I just said, You probably can't maybe you don't yeah maybe you don't bother yeah you know and part of that is sort of like ethos is in this song like he tried to make meaning of it through faith and through um saying there's something i can hold on to that's bigger than me that's bigger than the circumstance that's more powerful than than me in this circumstance but um if that's not for you i don't think this song feels like a judgment against you (laughs) you know yeah Which is nice because there are a lot of songs from this era that do feel like that. Like you got to prostrate yourself on the ground and, and like go to the, go to God and he's the only one that will save you from your misery and pain if you lose your son in a car accident. Yeah.
1: Can't you see that your soul means something to me? Mm. You know, it's like on this very album. Uh, But I, in the rare moments on, Christian albums like this, where there's a time when they don't offer up an answer. Those are the moments that I take notice of.
2: Right. Yep. Yeah. I appreciate it then. And I appreciate it now. And... Right. It's
11: not that it's not that whole uh, Stephen Colbert. Uh, I am America. And so can you, or whatever the title <laughs> of the book
2: is. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Hmm?
11: Yeah. I did this. my I did my faith this way and God was there for me. And so can you.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, they've always, yeah. They've always been a band that, that yeah. As we said multiple times now, they've made space for the silly and for the like surprisingly complex and, and weighty. And I, there was, there was a show that I saw on
11: the very end
2: of this band's life cycle.
11: Uh, last tour they ever did was with a band called left out and the smiley kids. And George, the singer of the Smiley Kids, who I was really good friends with, had a nervous breakdown in the middle of his set, in the middle of the show, and like picked his guitar up in the middle of the song and just started smashing it as hard as he could against the wall, like out of nowhere. Like, this was like he was having an anxiety attack and he saw somebody he didn't want to see or something like that. And it was like the heaviest night. And every band after that was like a major bummer. Huntington's played too. And everybody was like, this show sucks Hmm. this happy feeling of like 1996 is not here anymore it was right around i want to say it was like i want to say it was like 99 right after columbine sometime in that like positioning within colorado and there was just like a a weird feeling in the air Hmm. you know what i mean and watching smiley kids and watching uh you can't follow that by the way if smiley kids open for you and you're somebody has a freak out like that and breaks all of their equipment and the just storms off stage yeah you're like guys hey the song's called spice drops or goatee <laughs> right. hook you know yeah. what i mean so it killed the whole energy yeah, and the vibes.
2: <laughs> yeah that's not it's not what you want
11: well but what it felt also like was um these are my family members and yeah. i'm i'm witnessing a very awkward thanksgiving dinner right now
2: yeah right yeah
11: the uncomfortable reunion of like two opposing political uncles <laughs> right, who are like yeah. just staring each other down. Um, that was all kind of the beauty of that scene and how, how small and community-like it was, even though it was bands from Washington, D.C. You felt like you could have those real, honest, emotional moments with these people at these shows that were probably 100 large. You know what I mean? They were yeah. not massive. Yeah. But, but that was like so important to all of us. probably yeah. why you're still talking about it today on these podcasts.
2: Totally. Yeah. I think this band is one of those really important bands for us and for a lot of people. So I know we really appreciate you going through it with us. I had a ton of fun preparing, listening to this record again, going through it with you guys. Um, Thanks for joining us, Jason. Is there anything you would like to plug before we go?
11: Is that a thing? Do people do that (laughs) still?
2: I mean, an original vinyl. Uh... Uh,
11: not really. I don't think right. so. I think okay. Good. I really liked that episode that you guys did with the relevant magazine.
2: Thanks man. I,
11: I want to plug, plug that. That was really fun <laughs> conversation. You want to come it on was, our
1: own pod and plug our pod? Yeah. <laughs> I want to plug that episode. Cause I was <laughs> like,
11: Oh yeah, that guy, I want to hang out with him. He he's right in that pocket of like Us too. <laughs> my, my people. He seems so rad and. The stuff that he was talking about and the way that he related his narrative and story, um, quite frankly, like I do from this um, cynical, but optimistic and not idealized. Like, I think there's a, there's a thing that people confuse what I like to do with music. It's not nostalgia and I don't get like swept away in a particular era of my life ever. I see the era of me being 70 years old as tantamount to the same era as when I was 14 is the era that I'm in right now. Like mm. they're all level like, and I'm enjoying life as much as possible, relishing in all these unique moments that each age of my life has afforded me. And I got that kind of vibe from him when I was hearing him talk about it. Like he didn't have this overt look back on some of these bands as being amazing or so good or this particular moment in time as being the best moment in time for the era or for the music or for the bands or integrity or anything. He just saw it as like, Oh yeah, this happened. It's okay. It's okay that those people are different. When he talked about DC talk being so mm. different now and everything. I'm like, yeah, of course yeah. everybody's different. Good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's a good dude. Kindred spirits with all of us. It uh, a great episode If folks haven't heard it. Um, Jason, oh, thank I, you for... I, I
11: did want to say one thing. I forgot. Yeah. I'm putting out a record that I'm paying for myself and releasing myself.
2: Ooh.
11: It's and um, it's not like all the most of the projects I work on are somebody else's money being spent against it. So I try to make it as awesome as possible and they sell out pretty much right away. But it's this Canadian band called the Paper Boys and nobody's ever heard of them. They've been around for 30 years. I've been listening to them since the mid-90s. Uh, they're freaking amazing. And uh, they give me that, those feels, like mm. the timeless feels of this, these people are my people in every mm. way, shape and form. And I called the singer uh, Tom in, in Vancouver, Canada. I'm like, I don't, you don't know me, I don't know you. I love your music. I'm gonna put out like a greatest hits record of all your music on vinyl since you own it all. Is that okay? I'll send you, i know, make 500, I'll send you hundred. I don't wanna deal with like mechanical royalties or licensing fees or anything like that let's just do this like clean and dirty and see if there's any but clean and dirty at the same time Um, see if we can just sell a few i don't think it'll probably sell really well but he seems to think the exact opposite he seems to think there's a major audience for his music i guess they've won a few canadian juno awards but i made the whole album on spotify Hmm. the whole playlist of all the songs i'm going to send it to you guys tonight Cool. And it's this record that is going to be on vinyl in the next two months. We did all the art direction for it ourselves and we're going to self-release it. And I don't even have a shop to self-release things. I guess I could put it through my T my t-shirt shop right. or whatever, but sure. uh, that's a big risk. Cause it's like everything else we do has some sort of notoriety behind it. And, this has the exact opposite. You have to buy it on faith that I have good taste in music, which is <laughs> a joking proposition.
10: No, not
2: you do. I don't think so. I think people I think people trust that unoriginal vinyl name. Uh. <laughs> um, so, well that sounds rad. Uh, yeah,
11: I hope you like it. I'm going to send it to you and listen to it as you go to sleep because every single song is a completely different style. Cool. I don't yeah, know how I don't, know, them, how you, says, uh, I
1: don't Canadian, know how you do that. Canadian folk band uh blend celtic folk with bluegrass mexican eastern european african Mm. zydeco soul and country influences that's a lot of influences
11: every single song that you hear will be like that's jason oh that's jason yep that makes sense i get it (laughs) that's in the pocket uh and yeah just listen the first one minute of every song and you'll be like oh that's super cool so I can send you that and you can put it in your show notes or whatever the hell you guys do. I don't even know anymore. (laughs)
2: Cool. Sounds good, man. Thanks. Goaty Hook. Thank you. Yeah, man. (laughs) Goaty Hook. I know people have been excited for us to get here. We are excited to be here. So let us know what you think. Tell us your thoughts about this record, about your general Goaty Hook experiences at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or review. Email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com.
1: You can leave us a voicemail at 872 762 4763 8727 magpod
2: And you can support us at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. Uh, we welcomed Davis, our newest Patreon punk, earlier uh, in the episode. But once again, welcome, Davis. Thank you for joining us. Uh, folks can head over to the Patreon, see what we're up to, join the Discord, all that good stuff. And you can pick up some merch at com. Thanks to... This week's guest and our shadow producer, Jason, at Unoriginal Vinyl, and thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios for our artwork. Well, our time in the penalty box is over for this week, but we'll be back out on the ice next week when we'll be celebrating our 100th episode. Oh, boy.
4: like this one visit rockcandyrecordings.com